Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. And that's freetalklive.com. We've got a lot to talk about tonight, but we are going to start things out with a special guest. And it's somebody that we'd only uh, been told about and never actually had a chance to talk to this person until now. Her name is Mama Allie. And she is the person or one of the people behind the underground food uh ordering, distribution, making operation. I don't know what you call this. Uh, Food delivery, yeah. Uh, Savannah Last Biscuit is what it's called. They've got their own Facebook page. I guess if you just search for Savannah Last Biscuit, Last Biscuit being one word, uh, you can find out about this. It's happening down in Savannah, Georgia. And we had Taryn uh, call in from the LCL Report at lclreport.com to fill us in. Uh, Mama Allie, are you with us? I am, Ian. How are you, sweetie? Just super. You're on with uh, myself. Dale is here, uh, who's a Georgia native, and uh, Mark is uh, is in the studio with us uh, tonight. So w- we heard about you from Taryn, and he was raving. Uh, I guess he lives in the Savannah area, and he was raving mm-hmm. about uh, not only your food, but the fact that you guys are providing food to people without having gone through the, uh, you know, jump through the governmental hoops that they would like to demand and force you to jump through. You just started doing business and providing people with uh, good things to eat without asking the bureaucrats permission first. Why did you decide to do that? Um, Really, for me, I didn't see that there was any other option. I worked for pretty much every asshole that ever owned a restaurant (laughs) and just really put my heart and soul into a multi-million dollar franchise and watched the business owners run it into the dirt. And it broke my heart, and they did my staff really dirty. You know, I definitely, you know, I started out as a Waffle House waitress when I was 15 and worked my way up to being a general manager of a multi-million dollar business, two of them actually. But, you know, they were always somebody else's business, and Mm -hmm. they were always, you know, I – I do business a little bit different than a lot of people, and I don't really care who agrees. You know, I take care of my people. They know that when they work for me that they're going to be taken care of. Um, you know, when you work for other people and they have different requirements or what have you, I just, I just can't handle not being able to take care of my people and my staff because they don't understand. Without taking care of your staff, you can't put out food. You can't do anything, you know. And, you know, I just was tired of that. You know, I really got sick of it. and. I couldn't see myself going to work and putting my heart and my soul. I mean, I literally just built two restaurants from the sawdust up and opened two brand-new restaurants in three months and and watched them make bad business decisions trying to be politically correct. And, you know, they're like, well, Allie, you can't say that to people. We still have to we still have to publicly receive them. I was like, I don't care what you have to do with them. They need to pay my people. They're a payroll service just like anybody else. Well, you know, they—they, they, I just don't, I'm not very good with the political games. You know, I'm good mm-hmm. at cooking and I'm good at taking care of my people. You know, and, and that seems to be the outside of the box norm when it comes to restaurant owners. And I was just tired of it. You know, I just don't think it's right. You know, they're charging for people, and I know how much we're putting into that. You know, you're—you know, most restaurants are charging twelve, thirteen dollars for an entree that literally has two or three dollars worth of food on it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not right. You know, it's just people can't handle that. You know what I mean? Look, our everyone is struggling right now. People can't handle twelve or thirteen dollars, and it's not fair to the people that can't handle twelve or thirteen dollars that they should not be able to enjoy some good food on their time off too, just because they're not making as much money as other people. That ain't right. 
Absolutely. You know, so. I mean, I think it's a wonderful service that you're providing. And what is uh, what kind of services are Savannah's Last Biscuit providing? I mean, it's not an eat-in establishment. It's only uh, no, it's only it's, delivery. It's, it's delivery only. Yeah, we're delivery only. We started out. Um, New Year's Eve last year, we have been open for a year. Oh, wow. Really, really Congratulations. I'm really, yes, I'm extremely proud of that. I didn't clock in for anyone other than myself last year, which was a really cool thing for me. <laughs> you know, my little girl, she goes to virtual academy and she stays home with me and my family's real close. And it's a really nice thing to be able to have us all close. Yeah, it is. You know, and actually get to enjoy each other's time. Because, you know, I put in 60 to 80 hours a week for somebody else I my bet. whole life. You know, and now I get to be home with my daughter. It's it's a really cool thing, you know. but That's fantastic. Um, you know, we started out um, on New Year's Eve. You know, Savannah's a drinking town, a real heavy drinking town. And, you know, we started out on New Year's Eve. I wasn't going to make my rent. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to deliver to these. And there were so many people. You know, I've been in the industry my whole life, you know. And so being, a, you know, a bartender or a waitress or what have you, you know, the service industry here in Savannah, people don't realize those are the people who actually run this town. You know what I mean? It's the valets. It's the bartenders. It's the waitresses. You know what I mean? It's the taxi drivers. Those people run this town. You know, and those people who are upper crust so they think or what have you that are that are running stuff on the top that's that's nothing compared to you know if you don't have the valet there or the concierge there none of this happens none of the tourists get taken care of none of that happens so without those people you know and for us it it was a a marketing thing too because who, who wants to market you know tourists are only here a certain amount of months a year right 175,000 People in Savannah stay here year-round. We have to weather it through the winter. And, you know, so we started gearing, you know, to take care of those people, the people who are taking care of people. So you're marketing, you know? uh, so you're marketing your food delivery business to the people that are there year-round to the, we call, you know, them, we call them the... We call them the sinners, the service industry, you know. <laughs> and, and, and we love our sinners, you know what I mean? We do, you know, and we spoil the crap out of them. You know, if it's in the four walls of my kitchen, by God, they can have it. You know, it's not any, oh, no substitutions or, you know, and being a cook all my life, I'm a pretty particular eater when I go out to eat. You know, I'm, I'm a real good tipper, but I want what I want when I want it. If I'm going to have somebody else cooking for me, it's going to be the way I want it. But that's how I run my business. So too. what kind you know, of we, what kind of menu did you start with? How has it expanded since then? A, we, we started with a breakfast menu um, and we were 12 to 12. 12, 12 a.m.? We started, we, started, we started cooking at midnight, and we stopped cooking at noon. Okay. And we were closed Mondays and Tuesdays. And we started, actually, New Year's Eve. I, my brother let me borrow his kitchen because he was closer into town, and we ran New Year's Eve out of his kitchen over, it was pretty far on the east side, but we did really, really well. That first night, we made my entire rent in that first day. Wow. That first night. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, that's exactly what I said. Wow. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> Uh, let's do that again next weekend. So we just rented a little efficiency apartment over in the ghetto for like $160 a week or something, and it had um, two little rooms. One of them was rented out to some other guy in a bathroom and a kitchen, and so we just started shoveling food out of there every weekend, you know, and then we added Thursdays, and then and then we finally got our second place, which was a little two-bedroom here closer in town, right? And uh, then we started... We did that, and then we just stuck with it and stuck with it. And it was a hard winter, let me tell you. You know, some days there was only one order or two orders, but, you know, there was just no other option for me. And, you know, G really, really stood behind me. And, you know, there were times when he was working a full-time job. Now, you're talking about last year when you say it's a hard winter. It was a hard hard winter in 2009, uh, right? right? You're not talking about this year. No, this year has we have been so blessed this year. Our our faithful food followers have been so good to us. You know, currently my I took my brother on as our staff full time December the first, so I'm currently supporting me 
my fiance, my brother, and my daughter with what we're making on the last biscuit. So I'm really proud of that too. You know, we're That's not fantastic. It's really great. But I'm taking care of my family. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and good and, for and you. We're not going hungry. Yep. You know, the bills are paid, the lights are on. You know, and 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 we're all together and we're happy. You know what I mean? So it, it's nice. You know, and and when we got this place, you know, this place is we had the same landlord, so he lucked into this place, and so we kind of lucked into it right behind him, and you know. We went 24 hours because it's a bigger area, so we could actually I can function more in the kitchen here, so I can actually get to do more and to handle more volume. So you're open 24 hours a day, delivering food to anybody that calls in and orders it. Yep, and so, so, um, we deliver from Duran to the river. And if you're outside of our area, because I can't stand to leave anybody hungry, so if you're outside of our delivery area, we tell you. If you could call a day ahead and order, I'll make sure you get fed. So, wow. Mama Allie, um, what I hear is, I, I hear that, uh, you know, this this business, you've grown it into taking care of uh, four people, um, you know, putting food over their, uh, you know, putting food in their mouths and shelter over their heads. You're taking care of hundreds of people by delivering them food at a, at a great rate. Oh, yeah. Um, so why are the cops after you? Because they're assholes. <laughs> I, I mean, really, I'm going to be honest with you. I've had trouble with the law since I was 13, and just we just do not get along. And if I'm going to get, if someone's going to get in trouble, it's going to be me. Well, you it know, seems they, because, to me. And you know, I'll tell you what, Mama Allie, if you can hang on, I want to bring you back. Can we keep you for a little, a little yeah, while longer. Fine. Okay, I'm going to hold, put fine. you on hold. We'll bring uh, back Mama Allie, and if you've got a question for her, we'll take some calls too. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. She is a restaurant entrepreneur. Although, I guess food delivery is more uh, accurate because you can't actually go and uh, come to the kitchen because, well, it's a secret location. If you find out where the kitchen is, then the cops might show up and shut it, shut down and then all the fun is over. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. Calls will be given priority if you've got a question for Mama Allie from Savannah Last Biscuit. It is a illicit food distribution service, uh, food delivery service. You can call them up 24 hours a day if you're in the Savannah, Georgia area, and order, and they'll deliver food to you no matter what time of day it is, which I think is uh, pretty amazing. We're going to continue that conversation here in a moment. Our number, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got our Shrine of Female listeners there, the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video showing they are indeed listeners of the program. You can go and see that for yourself, and it's, by the way, brought to you by Manchester Brewing at manchesterbrewing.com. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com for the Shrine of Female listeners. Mama Allie is with us from Savannah Last Biscuit. Uh, We first found out about this from the LCL Report at lclreport.com. Is Taryn uh, from the LCA Report one of your customers, Mama Allie? She is. Yep, Taryn's been a customer of ours for a while now. Mm-hmm. So, so now you said that you started this over a year, about a year ago. You've now been uh, mm-hmm. doing business, providing the people of Savannah with essentially home cooking, uh, yep. because you're cooking it from your home kitchen, and uh, it is being delivered. People don't, I don't imagine, know where you live, because as you mentioned before, the police are after you. 
And I imagine the reason for that is is because you didn't pay their tribute fee, you didn't pay their bribe fee uh, to get them to you know give the give you their little permission slip, their what they would probably call a, a license or a permit or something like that, as though that's somehow going to uh, make your food safer. Right. Yeah. It's it, it's exactly that, and we have no intention of ever paying that. You know, we if wow. I, even if I had the money, I wouldn't give it to them. That's you know, heroic. They I think this, they're, they're not the ones working their tails off here. We are. This sort of business model where you just, where people from home just start providing services that, that something they do well, that sort of business model would work wonders in all sorts of ways for the economy because I mean the fact that anyone could just start up and do something they do well and start competing, that would force people who are in bigger com- bigger industries, someone who had a bigger restaurant for instance, would then have to start providing better uh, – have to start treating their employees better because those employees have the option to just go off and do their own thing, you know, work for themselves yep. and possibly in a much better situation. So I think besides the fact that you're, you know, you're providing a service to people that want it, you're hiring people, and they're obviously happy, and you're, and you're being competition to these smaller businesses that now have to do a better job uh, providing their services. And, and, and it's a shame that there are all these impediments. And I don't think it's an accident uh, that there are all these impediments to people doing that. And so what most of us end up having to do is work for someone else. And it really is sort of a, a slave society. You have to work for someone else. You can't just go work for yourself and earn a living. Obviously, you're, you're doing that, and that's good. And well, more people need to, uh, need to buck the trend of, of going out and jumping through all the hoops and just start doing I, doing business. I totally business. agree. I, I agree that a lot more people definitely need to, you know, pursue what makes them happy. You know, they really do. And regardless of who agrees with it or what's in your way, you know, if you know, it, it's really sad that people with really awesome gifts because they don't have money will never get to monopolize on them or take care of their family with them. It's really sad yep. that that's that's what's okay, and that's what's normal. And that's you how know, the that's system crazy. is. It's, and that's the the way the system is set up. It's set up to protect right. the existing business people from competition. Just give me an idea here. I mean, you know, you've been in the restaurant business for your whole life, so you must have some idea as to if you were to go and try to jump through their hoops. And and thank goodness you aren't. It's, I think it's so heroic, and I think that you are an example that should be set for a lot of uh, people to follow out there around the country and around the world. But uh, but just if you were to try to jump through their hoops, I can imagine. Imagine that they probably have all kinds of regulations like, well, you first of all, you wouldn't be able to do it out of your apartment. You'd have to have special kind of uh, industry standard equipment, oh, yeah. installed exactly. range hoods thousands and stuff. And thousands of dollars for, for the hood because I fry with grease, you know, to, for, and, and, and they'll try and tell you that, and that it's for your safety. But let me tell you <laughs> something. I just did it for a year. I didn't burn my house down. So how's my safety doing? I got me yep. my safety, <laughs> you know. It's, you know, they, they try and tell you, you know, all these reasons because, you know, don't think I haven't looked into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't look, go out trying to piss the city off. You know what I mean? That was absolutely not my intention. When you it's say thousands, Mala Ali, when you say thousands and thousands, are you talking about like 50,000, 100,000? I mean, how much money would it cost to, the, uh, to get all the, the equipment? Vent, the hood vent alone, not including the fryer that goes under it, not including the actual piece of equipment you need to cook, the hood vent alone starts at $10,000. Wow. So just the hood vent is $10,000. You know what? I started with $300, okay? So $10,000 was a far stretch from that. Yeah, and you know, it, it was it was impossible. You, you know what I mean? I couldn't have done it. One might, if one was conspiracy oriented, think that maybe it was the hood manufacturers that uh, you know made made it so that this <laughs> right. that lobbied for this legislation, right? 
Well, you know, they. I understand, you know, with grief there is danger and what have you, and I believe in education. I believe knowledge is power like no other, you know. But if they're really worried about that, educate people. Quit taxing people. You know what I mean? That's ridiculous, you know. And, you know, and they're like, oh, well, the health inspection this, what about that? Well, first of all, I'm, we're honest with people. This is out of my kitchen. But I'm going to tell you right now, there isn't a restaurant manager or owner anywhere in this town that can say that their work is as clean as their house. I can you know what I mean? It's not as clean as, as the countertops they feed their children off of. I can. Hmm. My daughter and, and my man and my brother, my family eat from this kitchen every day. Who can say their food is that safe? You know what I mean? So no. be- they, they can they can say safety this and health that, and they, they can, it all boils down to a dollar amount. For yeah, them. You're That's honest with your customers. Down to. You're honest with your customers. And, they know what they're getting, and, 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 and they obviously are, are – um, they do not feel like this is an unacceptable risk, obviously, and, and they, they don't have to not. buy from you. Know, you. Because it, it cracks me up. You know, I sit here and, and because I do all of my own Facebooking. I check on all of my people. I make sure all my kids in Savannah are okay and fed, you know, and I look at these kids that get – food poisoning from this place and food poisoning from that place. Every single one of them are wearing a health department approved tag on them. Every single one of them are, mm-hmm. you know, so don't sit here and tell me, but I have yet to have one complaint of even an upset stomach, you know, of anything like that. So don't tell me it's for my customer's safety and my personal safety that I need $10,000 equipment and yep. 3000 and $300 permits and what have you. You know what? You can do it your way. I'll do it my way. Good for you. Now, um, you know, and has has a customer complained about you not having the the proper permits? I mean, they haven't complained. They, there've been no complaints as far as uh, you know food uh, food safety issues. But have there been any complaints from customers like, oh my god, I didn't have any idea that you that you weren't paying the the city their money? Anything? Any, no, any conversation? None, none of like my that? customers. None of my customers have said that. Anybody who's eaten from me, I've never had anybody that's only eaten from me once. First of all, if you've eaten from me once, you've eaten from me twice. But none of my customers have ever had a problem with it. Yes, there are people who are like, just pay the permits and pay your licenses and do what you're supposed to do. And, you know, really, if you're going to be that ignorant and you're going to give them your money, you go right on ahead. But, baby, I am not on that train anymore. You know, I am tired of just handing them my money. You know, I've done it my whole life. You know, since I turned 16, I've gone maybe 90 consecutive days where I haven't had to pay the city or county that I live in to either keep my license or be able to legally be on the road, or, you know, maybe 90 days consecutively since I was 16. Maybe. Yep. And I'm 31 now. They're you know? nothing so but a criminal gang. They're, they're nothing but a gang of uh, thugs that is extracting Absolutely. money from people. Absolutely. And people go along with it. It's the obedience right. uh, that, that really allows them to be so successful. This is going very well. Can you hang with us uh, for some more? Sure. Mama Allie, hold on. We're going to come back with more uh, Mama Allie from Savannah Last Biscuit. You can find them over on Facebook. Look for Savannah Last Biscuit is one word, L-A-S-T-B-I-S-C-U-I-T. Uh, more coming up here. You can uh, dial on in here if you got a question for Mama Allie. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. You'll find all the features there are completely free. 
So enjoy those, including live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, webcam. We've even got listen lines. It's all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com as we continue here. By the way, uh, before we get back to Mama Allie from last Savannah Last Biscuit, from creating new and old media to political action to civil disobedience and market-based activism, you'll find more pro-freedom activism than you likely ever imagined possible when you move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Learn more at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. We're talking with Mama Allie. She is the proprietor of Savannah Last Biscuit. It's a business that she started because, well, she was tired of working for somebody else and decided to go into business for herself, providing food to the Savannah, Georgia area uh, from her home kitchen. And, of course, that is uh, against the law, and the police don't like it very much. In fact, they're apparently uh, on the, the look for a lookout for uh, for Mama Allie. I want to find out more about her encounters with the police here in a moment. But I find her to be absolutely heroic, and I love uh, the attitude that she has towards the state, and that is that she doesn't need them. Uh, she doesn't need their permits. She doesn't want their permits. She doesn't want to pay them uh, their extractions and their, their bribes, which is really all that permitting and licensing is. It's just a bribe to keep the, uh, the gangsters known as the state government people or the city government off of your back and, and let you do business. It's blood money and it's going to go to, it's going to be used to commit violence against more innocent people. There's that too. Uh, so, uh, Mama Ali, thanks for sticking with us here throughout the uh, the hour here uh, tonight. Are you still there? No problem, Ian. Okay, great. People can go to your Facebook profile. Uh, it's Savannah Last Biscuit. Last Biscuit is all one word. And they can learn a little bit more about uh, your business. But you started out open 12 hours. You're now open 24 hours a day. You've uh, signed, you've, I guess, hired on your brother. And you've got, uh, you're supporting a, a handful of people uh, as far as, you know, you're covering your costs for living and, and maybe even hopefully turning a profit on this. Um, yeah, you know, we're paying the bills. You know, it's, we, the reason why we're not doing like other restaurants, you know, when you go to the bank and you give them a business plan, they want you to be able to promise them five times what you're putting in that you're coming out with. Well, I, I'm not going to do that. I can't sleep. There's no way I could sleep at night if I was charging people five times what I'm putting into it. That ain't right. So, you know, we try and double it and just make cost, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. plus what we're doing to take care of ourselves. Because really, you know, it's not that expensive to do what you love. You know what I mean? It's not – it doesn't – do anything but make me happy to be able to feed these people. So it's not, I don't have to put a high price on it. You know what I mean? We don't, it, it's not that expensive to me. It's, it's, I'm getting paid because I get to be here every day with my family, you know, so we don't have to put all those high prices on, and, you know, and not to mention we're not paying permit costs. Right. So you don't have the permit costs. You don't have to pay for a storefront. And if we had to be downtown with all that equipment overhead and all of that, it right. would definitely reflect in our prices and it would hurt people, you know, and, you know, we're just not going to do that. I'm not going to. It's not right to hurt the people because the city said so. You know, and yep. so we're just not going to do it. You know. So we're, what was the encounter? Know, we, I mean, what, what happened with the police? You said they're after you, or that they're. Oh, uh, this is. It's it's ridiculous. It really is. You know, it, it starts. You know, we had a lot of trouble back with them when we were started at our. We call it the little house in the ghetto instead of the little house on the prairie. <laughs> but the little efficiency. You know, just driving back in there and being white in that neighborhood got pulled over all the time and they would like sift through our biscuits and gravy. Like we were in there buying drugs, mm. you know, and really you just stuck your fingers all in my, one of my customers food. Thanks. You know, now I have to recook everything. Awesome guys. Good job. <laughs> you know, and then recently I made this little girl mad down on river street. She was throwing a little fit and see it. 
As a last biscuit, also have been in the industry for a while. I know the customer is not always right, and we don't put up with no crap here. You know, That's if you. you want to be rude and you want to be hateful, your butt can go hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, and we we just don't put up with that here. And there, this little girl called being all rude because I I put a crushed um, cheese it topping on top of my macaroni and cheese. Well, she didn't like it. Hmm. So I, I told her I'd send her out some new macaroni and cheese without the toppings. Oh no no no! She wanted her money back. She wanted another lunch, and she. <laughs> was going to call and report me to the Better Business Bureau and blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm like, well, if you're going to be a jerk, you're not getting nothing. You know, I have better things to do than argue with you. If you want some new macaroni and cheese, that's cool. But if you're going to be a jerk, you can deal with what you got. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we, we, we just simply don't have to play that game with people, you know. And so, anyway, she apparently had a friend that was a cop or a boyfriend that was a cop or something because she called, okay, all the next day. That should They called, then she went to the place next door to them. They had all these different cell phones calling and making probably six prank orders. Well, you know, like I said, we've been in this for a while. You know, we caught um, probably four or five of them. They did get us on one that we took it out. There was no 703. You know, it went 701, 702. There was no 703. But on the way back with the food, one of our regular customers called and said he'd take everything and he paid for everything. So we didn't actually lose any money on wow. it. But, you know, it, was, it wasn't cool. You know, it sucked. And so I called her boss and told her, I said, look, you know, she's calling and making prank calls from your business. We take care of everybody on River Street, the entire service industry. We really appreciate it if she would not ruin it for everybody at your business, you know, because there are other people there that we take care of and we're not going to know who's calling, you know. And so right. we'll flat out just blacklist you you know you're, you're yeah, gonna harass us problem. you don't you go hungry you know i remember so, having that problem with pizza uh, pizza delivery and um you know some kids would just get bored and call in prank calls and you learn to recognize right. them and, there's a call right, right there you know, well, she's just, she's just fit, you know and uh we just don't put up with it and she obviously had a friend that's cough. she called all the whole next day and harassing the stuff the very next day first thing in the morning she calls again and i'm like really Already, first thing in the morning, are you kidding me, over macaroni and cheese? Three days later after macaroni and cheese, you're <laughs> killing me. You know, and so then somebody called after that and placed an order. It was a little bit outside of our del- delivery area, about two, three blocks. And I was like, you know, that's, you know, we had we only had a couple orders on the board. So I was like, go ahead and do it. You know, if we can get to them, we do. You know, right. if it's possible, if we can take the time, we get to them. You know, and uh, so he, he described it. He's like, it, it's a SCAD building that used to be an old police station over on Lathrop. And I said, Okay, so, you know, I explained it to my brother. He gets over there, um, and there's, like, some construction going on in the back. So he's like, pull over here, acting like he's kind of with the construction, because we, we will deliver to anybody. You could say, I'm underneath the light pole at 35th and Burroughs. We will bring it to the light pole at 35th and Burroughs, mm-hmm. and we will take your coins that you shook out from your couch. We don't care. You know, so he takes it over there, and the guy's like, All right. Last biscuit? And he's like, yeah. He's like, step out of the car and, and, and get your license. You have to come with me. He's oh, like, geez. what? <laughs> He's like, what? So he gets out of the car and he gets his license out and he's like, he's like, you're you're gonna take me to where the last biscuit is right now. My brother's like, I'm not taking you nowhere, <laughs> you know. And and he's like, he's like, yes, you're gonna tell me her name. What's her name? He said, it's on the menu. It's Mama Allie. <laughs> and he's like, no, what's her real name? We know it's your sister. You know her real name. He's like, all I have to tell you is what's on the menu in your hand, sir. You know. And so he's like, takes him inside to the interrogation room. There's like four or five detectives in there, and they're all, you know, like pretty hard trying to be all intimidating and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they like leave the room, you know, they're like, You're going to tell us, or you're going down for everything. He's like, Going down for what? Biscuits <laughs> and gravy? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> like, really? I'm, I'm going down, you know. So, anyways, they're just, it just shows how you know, silly it is. Trying to get here, and he's, you know, he's, he's got nothing for him. And, and they, they leave the room, 
And they're trying to, you know, do the scare thing where they leave you in the room and make you panic, you know. And he, sure. they, for, they, did, they didn't frisk him or anything. So he's got, still got his cell phone on him. He calls me. He's like, they've got me in interrogation. I'm like, oh, hell. So I've been, we've been feeding um, my attorney, Jonah Pine, at, of Williamson Pine. We've been feeding those guys for, because, see, I knew they were coming. So I found yeah. me a good attorney last time my tail was in court paying some bull crap. And I found one that just crumbled a cop up in a corner. And I've been feeding his office ever since. So I gave him a call. <laughs> nice. And I told him, hey, my brother's in interrogation. You know, so he's like, what? So he calls down there. You know, I told my brother, I said, keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. I'm going to call yeah. Jonah. So he says, you know, I will. I got you. And hangs up the phone. Well, then they jerk the phone out of his hand. I didn't realize that. They jerk the phone out of his hand. And they take it out and blah, blah, blah. Well, then my attorney called down there and told him, you know, what's he being charged for? They said a city ordinance violation. And he said, well, what city ordinance violation? And uh, he said, well, we don't, we're don't. we not sure yet. It's undetermined. <laughs> what so. a joke. Hey, if you've got a little more time, we'll keep you on for the remainder of the hour, if you don't mind. Yeah. All right, okay, hang on. Fine, more with Mama Allie in a moment. And if you've got a call and a question for her, she is a, uh, I guess, what do you call it, an agorist entrepreneur, I suppose? Yeah. Uh, somebody who is working without uh, asking the government for permission to do so, providing products and services to people who are voluntarily choosing to buy them. It's wonderful. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Dial on in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free. Enjoy those on us. And freetalklive.com, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just head on over to amazon.freetalklive.com, enter through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of pretty much anything that you buy, whether it's brand new or used. Start your shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. Now, one thing you can't get from Amazon is home cooking. And you can, if you live in Savannah, Georgia, get it from Savannah Last Biscuit. Uh, we've got the proprietor on the air with us here, and she's been so kind as to stick with us uh, for the entire hour. She's open 24 hours a day, so they're open right now. Uh, there so, are people calling, wanting macaroni and cheese as we speak. And other okay. things. Uh, in fact, uh, oh, yeah. we're going to continue here with Mama Allie. Uh, and p- folks can go to, even if they're not in Savannah, they can go to your Facebook profile and, and learn a little bit more about Savannah Last Biscuit. Last Biscuit is all one word. Uh, if they wanted to look for it. But uh, how big is your menu? I mean, how, how much has it expanded over the last year? Um, it's definitely um, because of the demand for people at different hours, you know, and we try to take care of second shifters, third shifters, first shifters everywhere, you know. We definitely, that's why we went 24 hours. And so what we did, we put together, I put together a pick your plate menu, and you can pick any one of the first items and any two of the second items, and you can order it 24 hours a day. And then, of course, we kept my breakfast specials on there. I have a biscuit and gravy supreme, which is a mm. scratch biscuit with sausage gravy. It's got fried taters, onions, bell peppers, bacon, so sausage, and ham <laughs> on top of it. Oh, and I remember my I mom made it. biscuits and gravy every week, on usually on Sunday. Oh, baby, my biscuits are... Mm hmm. Good stuff. There's a tear rolling down Dale's eye. Now, hold on a second. Now, before you all get all upset that you can't try this, I've heard rumors uh, from Taryn over at LCL Report that there's a chance that uh, the Savannah Last uh, Last Biscuit might be coming up to the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival this summer to provide some uh, some food services. Is there any truth to that? Oh, excellent. Yes, we are. We will be there. Um, Taryn invited us. You'll have to compete with my pancakes. And, you know, we really. We really wanted to 
look at New Hampshire anyways. I think I would love, I absolutely believe in everything they're doing up there. And there's some great people that we have just seen do some really, really cool stuff that the rest of the nation should be looking at as far as I'm concerned. But I don't know if my body can take the cold like that. (laughs) Well, it's not, it's not easy to be out in the cold, but if you're in a nice warm kitchen, it's not so bad. I was going to say, if you're cooking all the time, you'll be nice and warm. Yeah, but you know, from being on my feet for my whole life, my knees are pretty not so happy and the cold really 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 gets my knees and my hands you know but you know you know there's something wrong with you when you like to do dishes first thing in the morning because the warm water's running over your hands that's like my in the morning routine you know making biscuits and doing dishes i gotta ask something before we uh and it's just a slightly off track before it goes too far um how accurate is midnight in the summer of in the midnight in the garden of good and evil i've never read it i have no idea the movie it's just a movie it was a book first, mm. and it's, you know, it's great because it brings tours here. That's what I know about it. Okay. And, so, fair enough. <laughs> let, let, let's get back to the story about the police. Your uh, brother was delivering some food because uh, Last Biscuit, Savannah Last Biscuit is delivery only. People can call any time of day, and they can get stuff delivered to them. And the police uh, took an interest because, well, they're part of the criminal gang. That's uh, what they essentially what they do is they uh, extract money from people by threat of violence. And so they pulled uh, – they, they essentially put in a fake order. Your brother came out to deliver it. Then discovered it was the cops. They took him into custody, took him into an interrogation room, started trying to intimidate him into giving up the location of your kitchen and giving up your real name. He thankfully did not. He called you, called the lawyer uh, because they didn't realize he had his cell phone with him and they'd, they'd left the room. And uh, you were going to continue this. Go ahead and go ahead and pick up the story after he yeah, uh, called well, the lawyer. They, then after um, they came back, after my attorney called, they came back in the room and they read him his rights. And we're having him sign, you know, that he understands his rights and he understands. He said before they even finished, I crossed off the X that said I was not going to cooperate with them. And I understood that I wasn't going to cooperate with them. And so he said, and then another guy walked back in with my phone, handed it to me and said, Sean, you're free to go. And I was like, and, and then he he took like the 80 million mile route home, mm, yeah, <laughs> and I bet. Then, you know, and, and then. You know, they they couldn't charge him with anything. Uh, You know, my attorney said in 13 years he's never seen anyone go to jail for a city ordinance violation. Mm. So they 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 really don't have any. It's a it's a ticket, you know. But it's it's not just people don't understand. It's not just a permit. You know what I mean? People don't understand that they will come in here and they will tell me that I have to have equipment that I cannot afford. You know, and is it equipment that I have to have to operate safely? Absolutely not. I've been open for a year. You know what I mean? So. it's it's just a bad deal all the way around, you know. But it's, it's ridiculous. You're cooking was, for yourself my, anyway. I mean, uh, we cook for ourselves, or we cook food for a potluck dinner, and we take it over to a friend's house. Right. People do this all the time, so clearly it's not an issue. The only difference they is money's changing hands. Issue. The money's right. changing hands, and right. they want to get a cut. If she was doing this, you know, right. now and then, a couple of times a week or something, it wouldn't be a big deal. When she started to make enough money to support her family, keep a roof over heads, um, you know, feed mouths and things like that, that's when they. That's when the the over Lord wants his cut of the pie, um, or you know what he's come to believe is the cut of his pie, uh, cut of the pie. Right. And, and apparently, or the, police... the competitors want to hedge her out. The, there's the other thing they pay. They've paid their they've paid their blood money to oh, get yeah. the gang and, to and keep her you, out, those, so they don't have to compete with her. Those are some haters right there too. Those are some <laughs> haters right there too. The people that have paid their permits mm-hmm. and they see what I'm doing. The, those are the ones that hate on us pretty big too. You know. And you know what though? They can kiss my country fried ass because. <laughs> 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 that they decided to go along with every everybody else.
and hand yeah. over their money to somebody who wasn't going to do anything with it. That's right. You're, You're absolutely why, why right. It's a Stockholm that? syndrome. They identify with their captors. They identify with the uh, the people that are essentially holding them hostage as though and then you're a, you're all of a sudden a problem because you had the courage to not pay the uh, the criminal gang. And these police will try to act like they are just doing their jobs and they're trying to keep people safe, but clearly they don't have any enough rapes or murders to uh, to investigate down there in Savannah. How many cops you do they what? have interrogating your brother? Uh, they had five detectives, yeah. if not six. And, and, you know, let me tell you something. Where we have to live, we live in the ghetto. You know why? Because people here keep their mouths shut to the police. You know, when the police come in, people shut their doors and lower their blinds because they're not talking. But that's where we stay. And I wake up to gunshots at least two or three times a week where we live. They've wow. got plenty to do other than messing with us about yep. biscuits. It just you shows know, what their priorities are. It really does. So where does it go so, from you know, here? I mean, you're just you know gonna... what, though? It's a, it's a cash ticket. Either You know what I mean? They look at us. They know we're going to pay. You know what I mean? These people, they're hassling in the streets and returning gunfire on and all that. They're not ever going to get any money out of those people. You know what I mean? So they, they look at us. They think we're going to pay them. Well, you know what? I'm not paying them anymore. Not one dime. I'm not doing it. So, Mama you know, Allie, and... would you encourage uh, other people to follow your lead and start doing their own business without asking permission first just to get out there and put their product or put their service out there? And, and Absolutely. And I'll tell them how. Send me, send me a message. Let me know you want to know how. I'll tell you how to advertise for five cents a copy. I'll tell you how to get whatever you need to get out there. And I'll tell you exactly how to do it. But do it. Piss on waiting on them to tell you that you can to tell you that you can take care of your family that's ridiculous you know that's just it's just not right you know what i mean i'm not asking nobody whether i can or cannot take care of my family the way that i know how anymore well what are some real quick we've got about uh, we got about a minute and a half left um but what are some what are some tips real quick for somebody who might want to run a business out of their home i'll tell you this right now support your local library don't go pay 10 cents a copy at Kinko's. There are some specific things that you can do there. Go to the library. You can print black and white copies for 5 cents a copy. We put our menus on half sheets. We can print two menus for 5 cents. Mm. You know, and, and get out there and do it yourself. We hand, my fiance hands those menus out, a 1,000 menus every week, on his feet, out on the bricks every week. And, you know, get out there. Do it yourself. You know, ain't nobody else going to do it for you. Yep. You know, so it ain't nothing to it but to do it. And, you know... I say support your local library and believe in yourself. You know what I mean? If you know what you've got is something that is, is going to take care of your family, stick with it and don't let nobody tell you different. I think you're, you I know? think you're right when you, uh, when you say hand that menu to people face-to-face because people want to know who's making their food for them. And, uh, you know, if, yes. you're, if you're doing a renegade chef thing or, or whatever it is you're, you're doing, uh, people want to know who they're buying their food from. And I think that it, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that you're selling uh, – uh, Biscuits and gravy in Savannah and doing that well at it just speaks highly of how how well you're making your food. I think there's a lot said for the uh, the notion of building trust with people and that becomes a valuable thing that you want to maintain. And like you said, Absolutely. a lot of agris business, you know, instead of getting signed contracts and and insurance and all this stuff involved, what you do is you just you build really good trust with people and that becomes a valuable thing that protects your interactions. Yeah, well, you know, and too. With our customers that we've had from the beginning, let me tell you, there's only two cooks in this house, me and my fiance. We work, and every order that's put out is put out by us. So let me tell you, 24 hours a day, seven days a week is no joke, and they have come to be able to depend on us. They know what's up. They know when they call, they're going to get fed. They, they right. know no matter when they pick up the phone, we will feed them. You do want to be reliable, that. that's for sure. You don't want to drop the ball because then the word's going to get around that you're screwing and up. let me so. tell you, it's, it's not easy. You know, two cooks in a no. 24-7, you know, there's not a restaurant out there that's working hard. Hey, Nothing 
worth doing is easy. Mama Allie, thank you so much for uh, for being on here this whole hour. I know you've got work likely that you could be attending to, so thanks for sharing all of that. And I look forward to seeing you this summer up here in New Hampshire uh, for the Porcupine Freedom Festival. I'll be there. All right. Thank you so much. More coming up here. Hour (laughs) two is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We're going to go right into your phone calls, and there's still all kinds of interesting stuff to talk about here tonight. But we'll start out with John in New Hampshire. On the amp lines. Hello, John. Hello, guys. Hey, what's on your uh, mind? I wanted to first apologize on my call yesterday. I said 79 people voted for an income tax, and was fact, and only 72 voted, including two uh, Republicans who I don't think will win their re-election come uh, November, if one's hopeful. But, yeah, I was going to say, it sounds uh, like those 72 people would be uh, folks that would be worthy of ejecting from their seats. One can hope. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about your cognitive dissonance, Ian. Okay. I was listening to the podcast where you were railing on uh, the alleged steroid uh, used by Mark McGuire and, you know, standing up for contracts, basically, before you learned, uh, you know, the actual situation there. Whereas in the day before show, you were saying, well, if the Chinese buy up all the uh, futures for food production, well, why don't we just ignore those contracts? And I'm surprised as a voluntarist how you can so casually dismiss a voluntary contract uh, between a farmer uh, and whoever buys that future just because times are bad. It's a good point. Uh, what we were talking about in the case with the the food situation was people were suggesting that there were dire times ahead for Americans in that uh, some people believe that there are going to be some uh, food shortages, even starvation of uh, people. And I was saying that I didn't believe that that would necessarily be the case simply because there are human beings that are running those food operations and it's very likely that they will uh, shuffle food along in, in the black market if necessary to get the food out to the people that are in their neighborhoods or that are here in this uh, in this country that uh, that need them and i uh, you know i understand what you're saying and i would say that if it comes to an issue of some people are starving and they could use your food versus your contract, then you should break your contract. And there are always ways to get out of contracts. 
Well, yes, but, I mean, it's an interesting sort of stance to take as somebody who believes in a voluntary society where I would think a contract willingly entered between two individuals should be as sacrosanct as it could be. But if you look at the reality, I mean, we had an apple shortage a couple of years ago, and that just meant there wasn't quite as wide a variety of apples available in the stores. Maybe they weren't quite as good as they otherwise would be, but I never walked into a supermarket and couldn't buy apples. And well, yeah, I don't think there's going to be any problems. Goes. Like I said, if there's, uh, I, I'm not one who believes there's going to be starvation in America. So I was only suggesting that uh, you know people break their agreements if it comes down to some sort of dire situation. I don't think that's going to be the case personally. I think that if there's a shortage, like I said that night, uh, it's likely that Americans might have to go without, like you're saying, the huge selection of apples, or maybe they'll have to eat some canned pears or something like that. Uh, I think just, that's about as bad as it There are ways to get. make good in some way if you break a contract the idea is you've done some kind of harm because there's an expectation of of that service and so some kind of harm can be done because the contract was broken and that's where you that's what you try to make good on that's where you've essentially done some harm by not fulfilling a contract and you try to make good but but again you know a life or death situation i don't think anyone's going to say well you have to you know do well, whatever. i mean if you look at the that's technology sort of, of growing food uh, if you go into a supermarket now, you have the same pretty much vegetable and fruit selection you have almost any other time of year because somewhere on the planet it's growing. But if you look at, say, some of the bell peppers that look especially good, they'll say hothouse grown because apparently somebody in marketing thinks hothouse sounds better than greenhouse. But <laughs> you can grow things anywhere on the planet in a greenhouse, and anybody cultivating uh, slightly illegal herbs will tell you you can grow anything underground if you throw enough resources at it. You, we can grow all the food we want in a high-rise building that no longer houses people and do vertical farming. Yeah. I mean, if, if the market springs up where we need to do it and somebody's willing to pay for it, we can grow all the food we want in as little you know, actual yeah. space as needed because the market will support growing that food. Because I agree with you completely. Good. I think that there's not going to be a, a – I don't think that we're going to see starvation in America unless the government takes over food distribution. I, I agree with you. I mean, vertical farming and all that stuff is a possibility. It, it, it depends on how much violence they're willing to put put to bear because, again, you know, if, it's, if it gets to starvation, people are going to break the rules to get food, and that's a good thing. You know that they are breaking. They're breaking the rules to survive, and that's fine. And uh, it might just let people see the dirty, how you know how how destructive the violent nature of government is. So, so uh, Ian, I, um, speaking of this Mark McGuire situation, I wanted to I want to reset on that because I feel like there's something I missed in that conversation. Um, what your your concern was is that Mark McGuire br- breached his contract, and even if the uh, you know MLB and the uh, the the Cardinals. Uh, uh, you know, management wanted him to do uh, steroids, which I believe they did, but you know, we don't know for certain because those those are the guys that get away with it. Um, but even if they did, that he was somehow his breaching of the contract was a breach of the contract with the fans too, and. In this same contract, one will assume that um, all substances, because there was a memo in 1992 from the the um, MLB, uh, you know, head guy that said all illicit substances are, you know, not for use by the uh, the player. So essentially, it was a rule of MLB that nobody use any kind of illicit substance. Yeah, we do found you, that out later. Do you think that uh, Mark McGuire's, uh, you know, opportunity to enter the Hall of Fame as hitting the most home runs in a season ever? should be stopped if he was found smoking one joint one time while working for the MLB? 
if he was under contract to not do illicit. That's substances. what the memo says. There's, it's not really a contract. It's a rule of the organ, the monopoly organization for which he worked. Well, if he's if he's contracted to follow their rules, and I would think that he should be ejected from the organization. Hey, John, for thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Oh, I I don't think there's anything wrong with smoking a joint. But uh, I think likely, likely. What if what if his team doesn't want to eject him though? I mean, that was the rule of the organization that he shouldn't do that. But what oh, if his well, if team it's doesn't not, want to? If it doesn't to? require ejection for breaking the rules, if there's some other sort of provision that oh, there well, wasn't you've a provision, it was a memo of the organization, then it said that it was against the rules. So you're taking a very hard line on an issue that they weren't taking a hard line. Well, no, on at if, the time. what I'm saying is, if their rules say that you have to be ejected for that, then he should be ejected. I don't know what their rules say. If their rules say that you're, then you're just subject to, uh, you know, drug testing from then on, well, or you're subject rules to say a financial penalty or whatever, then. The rules now are different um, after Congress went after um, Major League Baseball, but you can see just just how awful it is when uh, the um, the NFL instead really will only uh, uh, you know kick you out for four games, whereas MLB, which had direct problems from Congress, kicks you out for life. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's there's a big difference because of you know government's intervention. Basically, sure. these organizations want people to excel and do well, um, and they don't really care how they how it is they do it. Okay. Well, Anything I, else? I, I'm just I, I'm looking for consistency here, man. Did you get it? Nah, not really. No. What, well, okay. How was I inconsistent? <laughs> the, because I feel that the rules are, um, a, you know, for Major League Baseball, baseball at the time that he wasn't allowed to use any illicit substances. They didn't put a penalty in place. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a penalty. And well, if there's no penalty, then no big deal. Then the organization. Well. You seem to think it was a terrible uh, deal. Well, I'm sorry. Before. I thought that I was under the impression that if you broke one of their rules, that you were in violation of their contract and there was penalties. If well, you're you telling are me there is no violation penalty, of the contract. Well, if you're telling me there's no penalty for it, then it doesn't matter, right? Well, there's a penalty. It, it's as much of a penalty as they want to make it. Okay, so then right? they, if they decide there's no penalty, then it's no big deal. But, but so you it all didn't care what... about them. You cared about the little boy with the sideways hat and the pimples who might have thought that, he, that some but Mark McGuire wasn't doing steroids, even though he went from, from skinny no, man to a Hulk that. in five years. That's no, I didn't you, care about yes, that. I yes. cared about what the agreement said. And you, you, we, you what you we said were talking you about, about was agreements. What we said were we were talking we were talking about the uh, the contracts that they had and I presumed that there was some sort of enforcement for breaking the rules of the contract. Now you're telling me there is no enforcement if they choose to be no enforcement. So therefore, okay, let it slide. Whatever. It's all it all depends on what the what their their agreements are. Wrap it up. Let's go back. Go on. The toll free number is eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I mean, Dale, how do you feel about it? Do you think that uh, that that agreements mean something uh, that, you know, if, if a baseball player, if there is a punishment for breaking the rules in baseball, should that player be punished or not? Well, I guess it's it's I mean, there's some discretion always in such things. I don't see why it's, you know, if they want to exercise some discretion and and he's obviously OK with that, then I don't see what. But you got to understand, problem. I was getting called a cheater. Um, uh, two nights ago, because I was saying that, well, you know, Major League Baseball wanted Mark McGuire to do the uh, steroids, but this con- their contract said differently, and I, you know, it was a wink-wink-nudge-nudge situation. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Libby's 100% Pure Pumpkin. Learn how to give everyday recipes a nutritional boost with the power of pumpkin at VeryBestBaking.com. When choosing fruits and vegetables, orange or yellow are your best bets. Vegetables like butternut squash, pumpkin, or yellow peppers are rich in nutrients that are linked with lower risks of certain cancers and heart disease. On the fruit side, cantaloupe, bananas, and oranges offer the same benefits, plus one more. Kids love them. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us and freetalklive.com. Features including our wiki with uh, over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you, W-I-K-I wiki. .freetalklive.com. It's like the listener-editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. He's the enemy of the state. He's the agent of the sovereign individual. He's Tad Galahad, Freedom Engineer. The Anarcho-Capitalist Adventure Series is complete, and you can read it for free at peaceprosper.com. And help Ben Woods construct Catalixia, peaceprosper.com. Let's go to your phone calls about what you want. Mark, in Indiana, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mark. Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Not much. Uh, I was just checking the news a while ago, checking the Drudge Report, and it, uh, it labeled, like, Haiti, you know, this whole destruction with the earthquake down there. A label labeled that country as, like, anarchic, like there's no government involved, and even though, you know, the U.N.'s kind of involved and meddling in their business and all that. But, um, you know, for us, that sounds good, but for them, obviously, because of property rights and other issues, they're in, you know, a lot of trouble. But it, it kind of sounds like a good place to start for a, you know, new country. Start all over, right? Well, I, I, I've, I've thought about this uh, you know, a couple of times in the, the recent history, because what you've got there is you've got a great deal of uh, very cheap labor, and, and one might be able to you know, go in there and provide uh, you know, a manufacturing place and, and really help those people, and you know, providing them jobs and, and ways to subsist and things like that. But I think that uh, one would have to be very careful how they proceeded, because essentially these people are so poor and uh, the, you know the, the work ethic as i understand it right and I, i've only been there for uh, you know a couple of days it's not like i i know intimately haiti but you know it seems to me if anything of value showed up they may just very well attack it in mass and strip it of, of, of everything that it had I, I think there's um this is the, whenever someone talks about like a lot of people like to talk about somalia as an example of anarchy and how hard you know how we wouldn't want to live in somalia and because look how look what anarchy is like over there and it's really um the problem is like somalia uh government is not the only issue that has to has an effect on our our on our style of living you know um if you look at something like somalia where there's there's just not the infrastructure in place that there is and 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 you know, built up areas and stuff like that. You, you you can really only judge their government system by what it was before and what it was after and things like that. But uh, like Haiti, um, just because there's not a lot of government there, that's one good factor about it, honestly. But the but the fact that, you know that there's not much infrastructure and everything means you have, you have to really build from the ground up, which is you know that's that's quite a lot to do. So it, just the fact government alone and the structure of government alone is you know it's 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 not really fair to look at that. As if it's, you know, that, that's not something that exists in a vacuum. Well, now, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's necessarily the case that there isn't government in Haiti. It's that... Well, there's government. There, yeah, there's government in Haiti. It's just that uh, they are being... I mean, they were destroyed by this earthquake. So, I mean, the the Capitol building or the, 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 the place where the president lives was destroyed. Uh, and so the the if there are government agents there in Haiti, they are scrambling to help themselves out of whatever mess they're in, and they're certainly not taking any time to help their so-called citizens out because, well, that's what governments do. They they look after government first uh, before they look after anybody else. And if there weren't government 
if there was not government in Haiti before the earthquake, which is not true, there absolutely was, then people would be able to start businesses and uh, and innovate and create new wealth, uh, and they're not. And the reason why they aren't is because they're prevented from doing that by their despotic dictatorship governments. But to address your question about, well, would this be a good place to start over? Uh, would Haiti be a good place to you know begin building a voluntary society? And the answer is no, because it's uh, th- they've come to this situation where their government is in peril by a natural disaster. They didn't come to the situation by the consent of the people that are involved in living in Haiti. The people there didn't come to the conclusion that they no longer wish to have government and would like to involve themselves in a voluntary society. They didn't come to that conclusion. It's just that something awful happened to them and and they've been thrown into this. In those cases, you just have usually just have one government replaced by another, possibly even more Indeed, you've got the UN coming in there Uh, You've got the U.S. government coming in there, and now the the U.S. government is saying that they're going to take control of the island. So when you have a a situation, whether it's an act of nature or whether it's uh, people literally just throwing throwing over a government by violence – You've got a uh, a very volatile situation where other governmental organizations will come in and attempt to foist themselves on that area as opposed to what I think that what – well, at least what Dale and I would advocate on this show is a voluntary, peaceful evolution where people just come to the conclusion that they don't need government anymore and that they want to move on and live life without it. That's where you want to start a voluntary well, society. I've always seen it as being a gradual transitional, a gradual transition. I, I think it takes people like like the like the guests we had earlier engaged in agorist business activities and and a healthy, voluntary, peaceful market gradually phasing out and uh, and starving the violent market that is the you know that, that involves the monopoly government so i think that it's i think it takes an like you said an evolution into that anytime everyone says well let's say government's gone tomorrow i'm like oh dear please don't <laughs> let's not, that's not going to be a happy thing it's not going to result in, in a suddenly a free society if government were to somehow like if you snuffed out government somehow tomorrow that would not be a good thing it would cause chaos it's, it's like you know if you ever seen someone try to go off heroin <laughs> you know if you, you it's a very you might say oh heroin's good for them because look how sick they are now that they're not on heroin anymore you know that's what it would look like it's 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 very misleading when someone is is horribly addicted to doing things this one specific way and knows no other way uh and then suddenly it's gone and that that is a track that that's going to be a you know chaotic thing and, yeah and I, I i think a lot of those points can be argued you know about the um infrastructure that can be handled by the private sector all governments obviously ours at the federal level and any level of any government's corrupt there's i guess there's, there's just a bit more openly i mean the police are probably out there looting, literally, actually stealing openly now. Um, well, that yeah, happened during yeah. Hurricane Katrina. There was video footage of the cops going into stores and stealing yeah, stuff. So, sure, there you go. I mean, that's that's a argument against that one, but it, it it's gradual. But um, yeah. So in other words, I guess the best best thing would be for anyone you know willing to move down there and help build and just start off kind of like you know this country did. Well, back you know there are people here before the you know, late 1700s, back when they were building, you know, then, um, you know, and you could argue maybe get a constitutional government formed and all that, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think these people got a history of that. They got a history of open corruption, so and it, more corruption than ours, I guess. 
yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to just waltz into Haiti and uh, and start talking to people about uh, writing up a constitution at this you know at this point in time because that's not where they are. That's not what their uh, that's not where their mindset is. At least I don't know. I mean, I don't know them personally, but had it been there, then we would have seen some sort of uprising well, or something like that uh, going on down there prior to this uh, this natural disaster. Yeah, but that point, Ian. I mean, look at Detroit. I'd love to go up there now and to say, look. Look at where your people's mentality and philosophy has gotten you. Your, your lives are destroyed. Everything you've ever known is destroyed in front of your eyes. How about we start all over with my, you know what I mean, my philosophy, my way of life? Well, I don't, I don't know who you're going to talk to in Detroit about that, but I'd love to uh, bring a video camera. I'd love to see what happens if you do, because it seems to me that the, the human animal's ability to obscure, uh, you know, what the causes are for, for their problems is amazing. Um, I'd, I'd love to see something like that. Yeah, let us know how that works out, Mark. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything and take control of the airwaves. It is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. And we're brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you free, including archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, you can just click and download right there on the front page of the website. Going back for an entire year, free for you at freetalklive.com. And if you hate making extra trips out to carry the grocery bags back in, you can uh, take a tip from Ian and I. We've been using the Tota Sack for the last few months, and um, it's a handle made of 100% recycled polymer and made right here in the United States, designed to simplify all kinds of carrying tasks, mostly grocery bags, but, uh, you know, you can use them to take the stuff out to the boat or even, uh, you know, those five-gallon pails when the uh, little plastic handle breaks off. Go to totasack.com, it's T-O-T-A-S-A-K, and uh, get a family pack today. It's Totasack. They can carry more than you can, a lot more. And keep listening because we're likely going to have a two-pack of the Tota Sack to give away here sometime tonight. So we'll give you the special call-in uh, contest lines at that time when it's the right time, which is not right now. Uh, all right, so right now, though, would be a good time for you to dial in and bring up anything at 800-259-9231. Since Mark brought up the issue of Haiti and their alleged lack of government that is the top story over at the drudge report and it did certainly caught my eye because they're using the term anarchy uh, lack of uh, lack of rules or lack of rulers and it's reuters that is uh, claiming that they've des- got rulers they're just not paying they just don't pay much attention to them well the the rulers when, when, when you say they don't pay much attention to them I, what does that mean I, as I understand it, there, there's a presidential palace, right? It right. got destroyed, right? Yeah. That one would assume that there was somebody living in that palace and, and operating out of that palace. That person, I'm going to call the president. I I don't know much about Haitian politics and president haven't studied. President Rene Preval. And uh, you know, mostly on that island, people just do what they need to do in order to survive. And they're at subsistence levels. The vast majority of the people on the, the island of Haiti, their biggest problem day to day is finding water to drink mm. um, and, you know, scraping a subsistence out of the uh, out, of, uh, out of the island. 
So, um, you know, they, they don't pay much attention to the authorities, and the authorities don't bother to tax them or anything like that. They don't have much. I was there in their, uh, in their airport. Not only don't they have air conditioning, they don't have windows. I mean, it's just a, <laughs> it's just a cement block building, you know, there. I, wow. They've got enough money to give a few machine guns out to their, uh, their, the people, their, their cops slash soldier people, but, you know, it's, they don't have, there's not much to tax. Well, what happens? What happens in Haiti when uh, somebody decides to be entrepreneurial? I mean, what happens when somebody wants to set up some kind of? They're all entrepreneurial. They use there. on them. Well, there's not. Uh, I mean, what? Are, who are you going to be entrepreneurial with? A bunch of other people that have no money. Well, I, that's a good question. I don't you know. know. I mean, if you're if you're a Haitian carpenter and you live in Deschampal up in the the mountains where that where U.S. One, or excuse me, uh, Highway One goes through, and Highway One makes my makes my driveway look like a super highway. Um, I mean, it's this is a pothole, pocked, disgu- disgusting, awful highway. Well, people it, have to start creating wealth somehow, right? I sure, mean, but uh, you know, you've so what happens s- to somebody who wants to create wealth? Well, you Haiti. have to you have to be around people that are that are able to buy that whatever it is the good or service that you're you're exchanging mostly these people are you know making making enough to, to with their friends and family can eat and that's about it they don't have indoor plumbing or anything like that right right yeah i understand what you're saying there um but everybody was at that point at some point right in history i mean there was Every a subsistence yeah. everybody was at some point uh, at a subsistence level, and mm-hmm. things got better from there. So I guess my question is... When know, they get to a certain level, the government extracts as much wealth as possible from that level. Once it's right. worth going in and sending in armed goons to take as much money as possible, basically they do that. And that's and, and that's essentially why things haven't worked in Haiti. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I wanted to make sure was, was the case, is that you aren't able to be entrepreneurial past a certain point. You aren't able to... Uh, to actively create new products and services if that's something that you want to do, if, if it starts actually becoming it's, worthwhile for you. It's, it's really a sort of a cannibalistic economy. I mean, I mean, a government always is, but it's just that bad, it sounds like, that it's just cannibalizing their economy. Well, the government is providing such an important uh, service for, for the whole island, the three million people, that uh, you know those making the most money there have to support that, right? Desperate Haitians turned rubble-strewn streets and parks into makeshift hospitals and refugee camps on Thursday in the absence of any noticeable response from authorities in Haiti after Tuesday's earthquake. They were doing this, by the way, when I was there. They were living on the airstrip that we came in. I mean, there were people living there, so I, I don't think that that's entirely unusual. With the 7.0 magnitude earthquake collapsing the presidential palace, a string of ministries, and the headquarters of the UN peacekeeping mission in the country, Haiti faces a dangerous vacuum in security and government. The Caribbean nation of 9 million people. The I thought po- it was 3 million. 9 million? What they're claiming here. Woo. The poorest in the Who Western. Who would know? How would, you, how would you possibly know? I don't know. Forest in the Western Hemisphere has a turbulent history of conflict, social turmoil, dictatorship, fragile institutions, and devastating natural, uh, natural catastrophes. Many in the capital, Port-au-Prince, picked, uh, picked away at shattered buildings with bare hands, sticks, and hammers, hoping to find loved ones still alive. Thousands of homeless people began to set up their own camps anywhere they could, the biggest right, uh, right opposite the collapsed presidential palace. Look at us. Who's helping us? Right now, nobody, said Jean Malesta, a 19-year-old student who was the only survivor when her apartment building collapsed from the powerful quake that has killed thousands, possibly tens of thousands. 
She and a dozen others lay under a tent they'd set up in the park opposite President René Preval's uh, palace. His weak and under-resourced government appears totally unequipped to handle this crisis, its officials in disarray, and nowhere to be seen. So far, they've brought us nothing. We need water, food, shelter, everything, but we're on our own, Melissa added to cries of agreement from women sitting and lying around her. So that's what you get uh, when you look to the government for assistance. As the people in uh, after Hurricane Katrina found, the government was allowing people to perish rather than helping them. And that was the American government, which was not underfunded but in any way, even, shape, or form. They weren't even willing to get out of the way for lots and lots of voluntary help. There that's was right. lots of voluntary help for Katrina that was told to go away. There was so they much... they weren't qualified or they weren't authorized. Right. It was so the complete forth. opposite of the situation. I mean, the, the Katrina uh, debacle was a total uh, 180 degrees away from what's happening in Haiti. In Haiti, the government is so uh, weak there as far as there's just not much to it because there isn't, like you're saying, there's not much wealth for them to extract from the uh, the population there. So when they're buildings caved in they just went and tried to save themselves they're nowhere to be found at all whereas after hurricane katrina you've got the u.s federal government that has billions upon billions of dollars and an unending amount of bureaucrats and they just came to that area and crawled all over it and like dale said prevented the actual people who are willing to help from coming in and actually giving people assistance my mom was turned away her whole church group they were going to send a bus full of supplies and volunteers and they were told they could not because they had not gotten the proper government training to to for disaster training something yeah. like that. something stupid yeah, yes, and it exactly. was there were uh, there were stories like that all over the place. Walmart being turned away, uh, trying to bring in truckloads full of ice and water for people. They were refused uh, access. Oh no, we've got this under control. We don't need you here. Uh, and and they didn't have it under control. There were people that were were dying. Uh, old people in a nursing home. I remember that one story someone called to tell us about. People in a nursing home were calling out to their. Uh, one of them was calling to her son, asking when he was going to come and rescue them. And he said, "Well, help's on the way. Help's on the way." And and help never came, whereas somebody who cared could have actually come in and done uh, done something to help those folks had they not been prevented from doing that by the existence of the government. So there, in the Hurricane Katrina situation, you've got a you've got so much government that no one else was able to assist, and the government, of course, botches up anything it does. Whereas in Haiti, at least the government's nowhere to be found. So people that want to go help in uh, in Haiti will likely not be prevented because the government's not there to prevent them. Right, likely there won't be any uh, prevention, but you know. People that are sitting around waiting for the Haitian government in Haiti to uh, come and save them are going to be sorely disappointed, yeah. too, because the Haitian government's busy trying to uh, you know, prop up the Haitian government. That's exactly what governments do, is they are uh, very much concerned about their own selves, not uh, so much you, not so much the little people. Totasac.com, T-O-T-A-S-A-K. We've got a two-pack of the Totasac to give to you if you're caller number two at 603-435-1105. That's our special contest line. 603-435-1105. Caller two, you're getting a two-pack of the Totasac. Help you bring those groceries back in from the car, and who knows what else you'll carry with it. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves by dialing toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those. 
on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. You like the show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? Become an amplifier. For as little as three bucks a month, you get access to perks like the Amp Only Forum, uh, the Amp Only, uh, let's see, we got Amp Only call-in lines even, and a few other perks for you over at amp.freetalklive.com. And what we'll do is we'll take that money in, the three bucks a month, and we'll reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations across the country, bringing more internet listeners on board, exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today. As we continue the story uh, from Reuters about what's going on down in Haiti uh, with the lack of government, they they done disappeared. Uh, well, what happened was the 7.0 magnitude earthquake devastated the government's infrastructure there. And so essentially the government's uh, just kind of looking after themselves, which is really what they do best. Uh, when, for instance, here in uh, in America, some kind of school shooting thing will happen, like at Columbine or whatever, the cops will arrive on the scene and they'll just kind of you know, po- putz around for a while as they ensure that their officers are safe. They have to make sure that the officer safety comes first before the safety of uh, also, you little civilians. It's also true, for instance, there's a lot of laws about having guns in government buildings. You know, of course, their people have guns, but they, they'll, they'll mm-hmm. put up. And metal detectors and pass laws about having guns in government buildings and for their New Hampshire, protection. New Hampshire, they're trying to pass, or they already are doing it. Um, uh, they're putting um, rules in place that you can't have guns in the state house and things like that. So it's like you know the government people are more important. It's much more you know it's important to protect them. That's right. And and you know of course all it's all just the whole notion of them serving us and that we're and that the government is is there to serve us is just rhetoric. Yes. It's just it's the image that they have to maintain. Public they have relations. To look busy. They have to do. They look like they're yeah they're doing the PR that says oh we're working for people we're here for people that's why we're here but that's all just rhetoric. So there's a little bit more to the story here. Uh, the, uh, the the people in Haiti are, are now realizing that they can't look to the state to uh, to assist them with anything. Uh, one lady points out that they need food, water, shelter, and everything, but so far they brought us nothing. A major international aid effort has not yet kicked in, although plenty of small groups, many from the United States, have scrambled quickly, moving personnel into Haiti by plane and overland from the neighboring Dominican Republic. The problem is that unlike traditional disaster situations, we have few local partners to work with because most of them have had their buildings destroyed and are looking for their own dead and missing, according to a senior official with the International Medical Corps. Haitians are doing their best to survive chaotic conditions in the absence of any clear leadership, said an expert from the Washington-based Inter-American Dialogue think tank. The sad truth is that no one is in charge of Haiti today. This vacuum, coupled with the robust response from the Obama administration, has inevitably created a situation where the U.S. will be the de facto decision-maker in Haiti. So that's kind of scary, isn't it? Well, I mean, that's that's the way it's been. Uh, it, essentially, uh, I can't remember uh, what they, they called the Monroe Doctrine. I don't remember exactly what it was called, but uh, that's what we told the rest of the world. Look, we'll handle the Western Hemisphere. This is all ours, and uh, you know that that that's how the United States feels. Is that pretty much everything in the Western Hemisphere uh, belongs to the United States? And I would say that that likely is that that is the reason that communism took hold in places like Cuba, Venezuela, um, in, in so many places in the, in South America is because they were trying to buck the United States' rule because the United States wasn't doing a very good job of of looking out for the interests of the little people. They were looking out for the the interests of well the united the united states moneyed interests 
Kyla Rocha, hospital's director, said it was already filled to overflowing with more than 1,500 rapidly decomposing bodies. Oh. Many had been left lying out in the sun. La Roche said he had no contact with any government officials to see what to do with them. I'm awaiting the decision of the government. What else can I do? Well, here's an idea. Do what you need to. Whatever that means. The government's not going to get back to you anytime soon, man. This is, a, this is not the time to be asking bureaucrats for permission uh, to do things. But it just shows the mentality of people that have been beaten into submission by uh, their overlords at the state. He's probably scared that if he doesn't wait to find out what to do, that they'll come after him. And maybe they still will. Maybe once uh, some semblance of governmental uh, gang, uh, you know, is reformed in the area, they'll come after him. But it seems, you know, at this point in time, it seems unlikely he's even going to hear from anybody anytime soon. So you've got 1,500 bodies. You've sent out word to the government agents to find out what you're supposed to do about them. They're not getting back to you. You better figure it out. Now you're in charge, dude. (laughs) That's the truth. Uh, Around the city, many Haitians put rags and masks over their faces as the stench from rotting bodies began to rise. How awful. Crushed cars and vans stuck out of collapsed buildings while children's toys, shoes, and paper were scattered on the streets. In poor areas, there was little sign of any coordinated rescue activities. One resident uh, said, I think 50% of the city is destroyed. Reuters witnesses saw some city blocks completely leveled, though in other areas the damage was more patchy. In the upscale Petionville sector, a Chilean contingent of U.N. peacekeepers, many of whom arrived only last week and looked stunned at events, were helping excavate rubble at the landmark Hotel Montana. They said they'd pulled out 14 people alive already, foreign customers and local workers alike, and thought there were dozens more underneath the stones. So they've uh, certainly got a – it's an awful situation there. I've heard that uh, UPS is shipping aid packages down for free. It's my understanding that American Airlines is – if you're a doctor or a medical uh, personnel, you can get a, uh, an air flight down there for free. Jeez, I can hardly imagine I can, I can land on that airstrip. Uh, it's, it's not even concrete. <laughs> it's one of the problems they're, they're having is getting uh, excavation equipment out to areas that, that need it. They can't get it there because of the situation with the roads. So it's a real mess. It is a real mess. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. It's just interesting that uh, the government is nowhere to be found, and it's always the government that's telling you they're going to look out for you and take care of you. And don't think that just because it's a, a you know a, a relatively power, uh, a, a relatively absent or unwealthy government that uh, the same thing won't happen to you here. If you are in this country, which has a government that is very well funded, and you're expecting them to take care of you in a disaster situation, you may be unpleasantly surprised. Be aware of that. Yeah, I think that uh, the 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 most humane thing that uh, the United States could do for people in Haiti is allow the ones that uh, that want to escape the island uh, to you know and come to the United States for a better life to do such a well, thing. They won't be doing that because they need to fill out the proper paperwork and pay thousands of dollars in fees. If you're from Haiti, you just can't come. That's just the rule. I mean, you know, unless you've got family or something to sponsor you, but it's still you know a nightmare. Yeah, but you're right, Mark. That would be the truly humanitarian thing to do is to allow people to come here and uh, and work to make a better life for themselves. And I mean work. I don't mean uh, get given anything for yeah. free. Let's go to your phone calls about what you want. Ryan, listening in Pennsylvania, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Um, hey. I just got a weird fax from Paula from Florida. <laughs> she says the reptilians have kidnapped her, and that's why she hasn't called into the show. It has been nice a long time plane. since we've heard from Paula. That's cute. Um, she was revealing too many of their secrets. I think that's the problem. She was a security threat to them, and so I, I'm not surprised that they finally did abduct her. She's a dangerous woman. 
the otter in that mountain out in Montana or Colorado, wherever it is. Um, actually, I was wondering if you guys ever heard of this new uh, magnet power generators uh, that you can put in your home. They say you can build them for like $200, and they can power your whole house. No, I well, have not. What is, what's making it move? I mean, it's, the mag- uh, these magnets have they put these you put these two magnets in um, inside the generator and their opposition forces create, make them spin away from each other and it's supposed to be almost like perpetual no, like this no. Australian inventor created it no that's a scam uh, magnets are involved in and when you're generating power they usually involve magnets a lot of times it's an electromagnet but it can be just a regular magnet. But a magnet doesn't generate any power by itself. You have to exert it, um, you have to exert some power to move it, right? And then it will generate electricity in 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 coils of wire around it. So something has to move it to generate the power. What you're essentially doing is converting one source of power into another. And so essentially, you, that's how a generator works. It works off of gas or uh, or propane or something like that, um, oil. That will that and you burn that and that will generate you can generate steam for instance uh, or and 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 that and then some, something that's used to to turn it and you always lose some energy in the in the inefficiency in the conversion of like heat into electricity. But you, you can't just this? have magnets by themselves; they will not turn, they will not move. I was watching a, a video off I think it was CNN. Um, this Australian guy, what he did is he originally hooked this generator that he created up to. A battery to get it started but once it gets started apparently like it's these two um opposing magnetic fields keep spinning the generator away from it like the stator in the generator so it's the magnetic field's resistance that keeps it spinning apparently. well i tell you what so, if it's true if if what you're saying is true and it's really out there then it should take off in popularity like a like a rocket yeah, it, it should it, go it doesn't make any sense so far from what you've described thank you though for the call appreciate hearing from you but if it's if it's true then uh, it should be pretty popular real fast yeah like, take about five one. minutes to be all over the world i'll, I'll buy <laughs> that if it's really real hour three's coming up bring up anything free talk live how long can you hold your breath Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumer's Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Uh, you can bring up absolutely anything, and to start things out here this hour, they have figured it out. The the government people, they've figured out what has been wrong this whole time. <laughs> you, guys, we've been wrong. 
I mean, on, on Free Talk Live over the years, and we've been doing this show for over seven years now, we've always said that, you know, government is inefficient and, and uh, you know, it's, it's just poor at, at doing the things that it sets out at doing. It spends way too much money and it's just... It's just the government just sucks at doing uh, anything that it sets out to do, whether it's it's helping people after a natural disaster, as we were talking about last hour, or it's, you know, stopping uh, drugs from coming into the country. Whatever it is it sets out to do, it inevitably fails. Well, uh, people have called this show, um, usually people that believe in, in government, and um, honestly, the ones that have called it in this case have sort of been the, the liberal of the liberal persuasion. But they've said things like, well, what if? You could make the government work as efficiently as, you know, business could. Well, there are the conservatives that believe that to be the case. Well, they, they, they believe it in a much more subtle way. I don't know. Don't, I, mean, I have not heard them say that actual statement, right? Mitt Romney's a businessman, right? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, he's, Mitt, he's Mitt run Romney. multi-million dollar businesses or whatever. So yeah. he's one of the many uh, Republican types who believes that you can just bring a businessman in and make government work well. That hasn't been it. That hasn't worked. Bringing businessmen in hasn't solved the, the problems of government inefficiency. It doesn't seem it's, it seemed as though there is nothing that can make government more efficient. But we were wrong. The story is from thehill.com. A big reason, according to Ian Swanson at uh, the Hillcon Valley Technology Blog. As to why the government is so inefficient and ineffective is because Washington has outdated technology. (laughs) Federal workers having better computers at home than in the office. The startling admission came Thursday from Peter Orzog, who manages the federal bureaucracy for President Barack Obama. See, the public is getting a bad return on its tax dollars because government workers are operating with outdated technologies, according to Orsag's statement that kicked off a summit between Obama and dozens of corporate CEOs. This sounds like somebody who wants to sell computers. Orzog, director of the Office of Management and Budget, says 20 years oh, ago... he's somebody who wants to buy computers. Yeah, he, he wants new toys. Yep. 20 years ago, people who came to work in the federal government had better technology at work than at home, and now that's no longer the case. The American people deserve better service from their government and better return for their tax dollars. The White House release that uh, included his comments said one specific source of ineffective and inefficient government is the huge technology gap between the public and private sectors that results in billions of dollars in waste, slow and inadequate customer service, and lack of transparency about how dollars are spent. It's all because they need an upgrade. That's what the problem has been this whole time. They've just Who'd have known? They just, you know, they're still using Windows uh, the 3.1, 3.1. and uh, <laughs> and and if we can uh, get them an upgrade to Windows uh, XP or Windows 7, then all of a sudden all the problems will be solved. I mean, the headline of the story is White House budget director blames old computers for ineffective government. This is it. <laughs> just give them an upgrade and then everything will be solved. They'll become efficient if they can just have, uh, you know, the, the latest version of Microsoft Outlook. <laughs> I, I think that the reason the government has outdated equipment is because the government is inefficient. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not like they can't afford it, right? right. <laughs> it's all stolen money they're working with. I love how they uh, they use the term uh, return for their tax dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're getting a return. Oh, well, I mean, again, the whole notion of calling government efficient, though, bugs me because <laughs> it's actually very efficient at what it does, which is serve the people in government and take money and and resources and 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 harm other people that uh, to, for their benefit. Extracting so it's obedience, very good at that. Yeah, yeah, extracting obedience. And but if you say in terms of serving the people, since it's only doing that as a ruse, if you actually judge it by the notion of how well it serves 
you know, the services that it claims to offer people and protection and uh, coordinating things and, and whatnot, uh, regulating business and so forth. If you look at it in terms of of those things as services and is it doing those things well? Yeah, well, it's inefficient if you look at it like that. But that's a that's a total miscalculation. It's a total uh Looking at the government in a, in a way that's really not accurate. <laughs> if you look at what it's what it's really there for, it's it's pretty efficient at that. <laughs> Obama is meeting with the CEOs to solicit their views on how to improve the federal government with new information technology. He said in a statement, "Improving the technology our government uses isn't about having the fanciest bells and whistles on our websites. It's about how we use the American people's hard-earned tax dollars to make government work better for them." Obama had proposed the meeting in April. CEO, they're just now getting around to it, apparently. Uh, CEOs from Craigslist, Facebook, Microsoft, Adobe, and Monster are among those taking part. Uh, the uh, Obama. They're bring some businessmen in and become more efficient. Yeah, it's time to bring government into the 21st century. Ten years into the 21st century, <laughs> information technology has the power to transform how government works and revolutionize the ease, convenience, and effectiveness by which it serves. The American people. We're being served. Yeah. Thanks. Goodness. <laughs> anyway, I just thought that uh, that was kind of funny. Yeah, it is. Funny. <laughs> it's funny. Just give, them, just give them some new computers and everything's going to be hunky-dory up there in Washington, D.C. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And, uh, of course... All this time. I thought it was the... I thought it was in... I thought it was so inefficient because it was completely unaccountable to the people because it was a, it was a violent monopoly. Well, no. Now they can be more accountable. They'll actually be able to check email. And so they'll be <laughs> able to write you an email back if you actually email them something. That's, that's more accountability, right? Well, yeah. they've, they've, uh, many, many government organizations they have They can write email. you back and say, screw you. Uh, here's another uh, bit of news from McClatchy in D.C. that after a recent attempted terrorist attack set off a debate about full-body x-rays at airports, a new poll finds that Americans lean more toward giving up some of their liberty in exchange for more safety. <laughs> but we, we already did that. I mean, that, that's time to give up some more. Right. Um, <laughs> you see, that's that's the nature of the paradigm. I thought we were doing that with these huge long lines where the TSA people take our bottles of water. I thought that if I gave up my freaking bottle of water that I'd finally have safety on the plane. And you but no, pay. now they've got to take naked pictures of my kid, too, in order for me to have. Uh, I mean, wh- when do I get the butt plug? That's what I want to know. When does it happen? That costs extra. Because that, that's when I'll finally have safety, when I get a good reaming. The survey found that 51% of Americans are agreeing with the statement, it's necessary to give up some civil liberties in order to make the country safe from terrorism. At the same time, 36% agreed that some of the well, government's proposals will go too far in restricting the public's civil liberties. I think that, that to some extent, there's a, and this is the reason that I hate these uh, these, these these polls is um, I, I do agree to some extent the uh, with what they're saying is that if the country is the government, I do think that the citizens have to give up a certain amount of of their liberties in order for the government to be more safe. The government's out there creating problems in the Middle East by getting involved in these people's, you know, governmental issues, propping up kings and uh, you know making deals to get oil and all the other things that they do, uh, and 
so therefore the government and and the people that that run the government, the big business interests, they're benefiting from this. And so yes, um, individuals here, in order to go on with life, if the government's of course not going to give up doing that because it's extraordinarily profitable for them. So the people here do have to give up liberties in order to be a little freer. I uh-huh. would agree with that. I think the government is, uh, you know, by having its TSA apparatus and all these other, you know, all these feet, gumshoes on the ground looking for crime and all that stuff, I think they're finding some. But they're the ones out there creating the terrorism with their interventions in the Middle East in the first place. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you're saying – no, I don't understand what you're okay. saying. I understand that they're creating the terrorism by going and uh, stirring up hornet's nests around the world – so, but I don't understand they, how giving got, up freedom is going to. They've got a, they, so they've they've got uh, a certain they've got these detectives running all over, whether they're FBI, CIA, whomever, running all over looking for terrorists. They've got the TSA slowing down the dumbest of terrorists from uh, you know being able to blow up planes or whatever it is. You know they they've found some people uh, you know doing Have stuff. They? Well, maybe not the TSA, but, uh, you know, other security security theater, which I think is a great term. When you say they found people, you mean the ones that they set up, the ones that they encouraged to do these things? Because those are the only stories that we've seen, really, is where they've essentially uh, they've essentially coaxed people into and persuaded them into talking about doing terror. They created that. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up what you want by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. Dale's falling asleep. Hey, Dale. You're here, too. (laughs) And Mark's here as well. 800-259-9231. Dale joining us, by the way, from anarchyinyourhead.com. Head on over there and enjoy his, uh, what, probably, you over 100 or more than how many? I think I'm over 200 200, over 200. Um, Yeah. Um, Been a little bit of a lag lately. I've got computer issues and stuff. I'm getting a new motherboard and stuff like that. Over 200 comics for you to view and enjoy all completely free and uh, you can go and you can order stuff from his store and it's all over at anarchyinyourhead.com and some good essays as well. Critical thinking question. Why would something that's so good for us like public education need to be imposed on us with the use of force and funded by the use of force? Maybe something else is going on. School Sucks podcast is a show about the end of public education. Visit schoolsucksproject.com to learn more. 800-259-9231. The story from McClatchy uh, News Services, they did a a poll that found that 51% of Americans agreed with the statement that it's necessary to give up some civil liberties in order to make the country safe from terrorism. 36% agreed that some of the government's proposals will go too far in restricting the public's civil liberties, and the rest were undecided or said their opinions would depend on circumstances. As it is happening, there's more uh, depressing statistics here. 
Uh, as has happened often since the terrorist attacks in 2001, the renewed debate over security is hinging on the balance between personal liberty and safety. The suspect's, sucks, uh, suspect's success in boarding a Detroit-bound plane allegedly carrying explosives is setting off calls for full-body scans, which some find an invasion of privacy and for new restrictions on passengers once they're in flight. To stop terrorists, Americans look first to better governmental coordination and use of intelligence, the poll found, with 81% calling that effective and only 11% calling it ineffective. So you've got a major uh, amount of Americans out there that, that really do believe that government is going to keep them safe from uh, this looming terrorist threat. That it's the, the government that they should be looking to as opposed to themselves, as opposed to each other. Uh, to uh, to protect themselves from from those who would do them harm. Body scans or body searches, full body searches at airports, ranked second, named by 74% of Americans as an effective way to stop terrorism. Well, um, I, I I wouldn't be able to say it would it would seem like if uh, you know that uh, you know scanning people being able to look under their clothes uh, quickly like that would probably be an effective way to see what people have on them and that kind of thing, but. Um, you know, I, I guess the, the really the, the the point is is that more and more people are choosing not to fly anymore. I mean, the numbers are going from 20 percent to 30 percent on domestic flights. I mean, how much more can this industry take? At this point, the TSA is already adding taxes to uh, to, to airline you know to to, to airline tickets. So mm-hmm. the prices uh, you know the, the the prices are being increased and. They're making it more and more arduous. I can tell you, I just don't want to go through these people, these people's uh, gauntlet any longer. I'm sick of it because I know it doesn't do anything. Further restrictions on carry-on baggage ranked third, called effective by 57 percent, ineffective by 34 percent. New in-flight restrictions such as banning the use of laptops and electronic equipment or restricting people to their seats ranked last, called effective by 50 percent of Americans and ineffective by 42 percent. A solid majority of Americans still feel safe flying, but that number has dropped. The survey found that 75 percent saying they feel safe down from 86 percent back in 2007, and 24 percent are saying they don't don't feel safe in the air, up from 13% in 2007. So that's a pretty significant uh, increase there. I mean, they've I, almost had a 50% increase, or uh, excuse me, a, a 200% increase, if you will, in the amount of people saying they don't feel safe uh, in the air. And I wonder if that is wait, 100%. inadvertently accounting for the people that, that Mark just described, and I'm quickly becoming one of them. I, I, I recently traveled for, for the holidays. And very reluctantly, and I was, you know, thinking about driving this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wonder if that's taken into account people, not because they don't feel safe, but because they feel so intruded upon by the procedures and by the the by the TSA. And 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 well, it's and it's. Well, if I guess if they thought the TSA was doing a good job, they'd feel safe, right? I mean, if they if they believed that the government was providing well, them some level of safety, they would I'm feel saying, safe, and it would be. Uh, I'm saying that I, I I that I I don't particularly feel like I don't worry about getting blown up by a terrorist. I really don't. This is it's very it's way in the back of my mind. I don't. It's not that I feel unsafe. It's the life that I feel intruded upon by the TSA. Is I feel like they are abusing. Uh, the the passengers so much that I don't want to go through their abusive process. It's not about feeling safe. So I think there's a fair number of people where you know it's not about. And it's not an issue of safety. It's an issue of their personal privacy and the intrusion. Just nonetheless, uh, kind of sad sad statistics about how obedient Americans are and how 
they're still, even after all of the failures of the state, after the just endless reams of failures on the part of the state to protect and to, uh, you know, to, to keep people so-called safe from terror, they're still looking to the state. They don't know what else to do. They don't know who else is going to look out for them. They've been trained to believe that mommy government is there for them and that they need mommy government. I mean, the statistics are pretty shocking to me. And it, I, right. Well, I, I think that it's it, it bears repeating that it's, in fact, the government's creating the problem of terrorism in the first place. Um, you know, if you if you believe that, uh, you know, people from the Middle East are, are coming to get us. And I mean, it seems like there's some evidence from that. But it's it's mostly because they want us out of their political process. Most of these people are, you know, they're they're ardent supporters of some political f- faction in their particular country. And they know that faction ha- never has a chance to come to power because the United States is in there supporting kings. Yeah, I I don't think there's much evidence to show that there are people coming to get us. There's just not. Well, I mean, because there, if there were, there would be things happening. What about this Nigerian fellow? I mean, he wasn't he wasn't trying to blow up that plane? Oh, well, I mean, certain people have beliefs about uh, whether or not he was really uh, essentially a patsy or not. I don't know what his story is. No one's seemed like to he him. was willing to blow stuff up, and they're certainly going to send him to prison for it. It did seem that way, but I'm t- I'm telling you that if there were any tell- kind of efforts. To harm Americans, that you would have seen more happening before December of twenty uh, of two thousand and nine. You would have admittedly, seen far more. Um, they don't seem to be nearly as, uh, as 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 thoroughly interested in in hurting people in the United States as they are. Well, honestly, blowing up Muslims because uh, if 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 you believe that, I mean, the, the government statistics show that the, in fact the terrorists blow up Muslims more than they blow up anybody else. But right, there's nothing stopping anybody from strapping a bomb to themselves, walking in the middle of a, a supermarket or a, a shopping mall or whatever, a, a ch- children's fair, and and blowing it up. There's nothing stopping anybody from jumping on a school bus at the end of a school day and hijacking it and running it into the side of a building. Yeah, how or, horrifying would that be? Uh, I mean, you know, a, an airline, an airplane with uh, 300 people or a, a school bus with, you know, 80 kids on it. How horrifying. I mean, if they had the intentions to do these things, there's nothing that would stop them. Nothing. And they're not. It's not happening. So yeah, okay. There's the guy with the shoe bomber, which was years and years ago, and then there was this guy and the underwear bomber, which was fairly recently. I mean, you're talking about less than a handful of incidents in and a year, in a decade. They're more concerned with cat. You know, they're more concerned with catching terrorists because they can do a lot of PR around that, a big blitz, and show a success. And now with actually protecting people from an incident happening, it's that's all. You know, it's security theater. It's all about showing successes and, you know. There's more coming up here. 800-259-9231. Dale's going to share with us six rulers who abused their power in insane ways. We'll find out what that's all about in moments. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a bulletin board system with over 500,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. You will find everything from serious issues to fun stuff over at bbs.freetalklive.com. And if you're in college or headed on into college this uh, this summer, uh, go to libertarianinternships.com. They'll, uh, they've got internships there for state, po- state and government policy, public policy organizations, productions, uh, even I, – I, I even understand it's video game production there too. Uh, journalism, uh, you know, all kinds of internships at libertarianinternships.com. And uh, you can have something to do over the summer that they'll pay you and give you housing ass- uh, assistance and – Put you in some place neat that you've never been before. Go to libertarianinternships.com. You've got to sign up for an account over there to get the, the full information, libertarianinternships.com. All right, let's continue here with your phone calls about whatever you want. Joe is on the line in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Joe. Hi, Ian. It's great to talk to you again. You have a great show. Thanks. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, well, I, I just wanted to say, uh, if, if you look at it, almost every single terrorist event is in some way connected to the government and uh, Western intelligence agencies. Um, so I, I think that's an issue that needs to be talked about more. But uh, the, the main thing I wanted to talk to you, to you about is the whole direction of uh, the sort of liberty-minded, libertarian, whatever you want to call it, uh, movement okay. currently. I didn't know it had a direction. Well, uh, I've been involved with uh, Campaign for Liberty and uh, uh, a couple other various uh similar groups, and and I just uh, sort of wanted to throw my two own two cents in about that. And, and sure. those groups are great, and uh, they're, they're great people, and uh, I really like working with them. But, um, you know, and they know how to quote on Mises and Rand, and, and they know that they're all very, very intelligent people. But I think uh, the, the movement needs to think more uh along the lines of a sort of getting to a uh, sort of a survivalist mindset. What do you mean by that? Like stockpiling food or what? Well, um, uh, yes. um, You know, we need to think about uh, uh, not just the, uh, not just knowing economics and, uh, and uh, knowing history, but also being, uh, have a preparedness mindset, uh, be prepared to defend yourself. Um, you know, know, know things about uh, you know how to rig up solar panels, how to. Uh, well, there's you know, already that, that a fairly extensive uh, survivalist movement out there, but it's really more of a personal thing, right? I mean, how do you have a, a movement of multiple people? That works on individuals and their ability to uh, to make it in the you know the wilderness or whatever in uh, out in the woods or in some sort of dire circumstances. Well, well, what I'm saying is, um, uh, well, you you can learn more as much about liberty from uh, going out into the woods and uh, you know just taking some matches and. Uh, Mm-hmm. And a hand axe, and spending a couple of days, it teaches you self-sufficiency. And and when you learn it um, at the physical level, 
it then, or I, I think anyway. Uh, well, what well, I'm hearing you say is uh, what, what I'm hearing on from. A political level. I don't know if we've got a good phone conversation here, but or a, a good connection. But what I'm hearing you say is that you believe there's some real value in having people uh, know how to be self-sufficient. And I think that there's, you know, I think there's something to that. I I certainly wouldn't be able to survive, uh, I don't think, out in the, the woods with a, a, you know, a hatchet and, uh, and a few matches. So I, I probably have a ways to go on, on learning that. But at the same time, I don't really see where a movement would come in. I mean, you're talking about organizations like the Campaign for Liberty. That's a group that's specifically oriented towards doing outreach, uh, spreading the ideas of freedom and influencing uh, political types in D.C. I don't really see that there would be any way to uh, to restructure them toward, um, you know, this self-sufficiency idea that uh, that you have. You already have, you know, conventions and all kinds kinds of things out there, lots of different businesses that are surrounding this particular uh, sufficiency mindset. There's a, a tremendous movement out there already that's uh, that's doing this. So I guess I don't really understand what you're trying to to change. Well, uh, what I'm saying is um, is that those those ideas of both those uh, movements need to sort of merge in in order, I think, to be more successful in uh in the coming hard times. Well, I, but you see that that's uh, that's what I want to get to right there is um, you're of the assumption that there's coming hard times, and I'm not. I, I don't disbelieve what you're saying. I, I think that it's quite possible, but I don't know how hard those times are going to be, and I don't know what those hard times are gonna. You know, I don't. I don't know what form they're gonna take, and I don't think that I don't think it's gonna get down to you know the electrical grid shuts off and uh, you know I'm eating the cat. Um, that kind of that kind of hard times, but I suppose it could, and. You, you know, so like economics, you're, you're saying you want to get away from uh, sort of the the scholarship and uh, the economics end of it, and get more to the uh, you know hands on the the ground, uh, uh, you know, survivalist aspect. Economics and um, you know, scholarship serve them right now, whereas learning uh, survivalist skills do not serve them right now. They will serve them if the time comes that what you're saying comes to pass, but it doesn't serve today. So what you're out there is, you know, predicting the future, and that always puts one on the fringe. You know what I mean? The, the, yeah, you're basically assessing a, you know, basically a lot of uh, effort and uh, investment into a very high risk, uh, you know, basically a a, a high uh, potential risk, but not necessarily very likely outcome. Like uh, there's a lot of debate about how likely it would actually be, and I think that there, you know, things like developing a counter economy, you know, uh, alternate economies that are not dependent on the status system, that's something that would help for survival as well as be useful right now to help, you know, make progress toward a freer society. So there's some things you can do that are sort of more moderate to, uh, you know, assess for a possibility of bad things happening, but that aren't. You know, what you're looking for is for a whole bunch of people to to learn these very specialized skills for a very high risk scenario that's arguably very unlikely. Joe, your thoughts? Do we lose him? Well, oh, that, well, I I wouldn't say it's that unlikely, but um, I mean it it depends. Well, right, that's and, the and difference. You're correct. Lot, yeah. I am I am uh, I am uh, predicting the future, I guess, in in that sense, but uh, but it. But what I'm saying is uh, having those skills and having that knowledge, uh, it, it creates another 
it creates another transformation in your mind of that, okay, you know, I've got a year's worth of food in my basement and, and I've got water filters. I've got, I've got the skills. I know how to, uh, do perform basic first aid. And I know, and, and so it, uh, it creates, uh, an even more greater mindset towards freedom because, uh, I'm not sure about that. I, well, I, think I see that, where he's coming from. I, I, I do see where you're coming from, but I'm not sure that, again, you're t- you're looking at a relatively significant investment in this high-risk scenario. And I think that you're really – what you're sort of doing is sort of constantly living in fear and investing a fair amount of your effort and resources into this very high-risk um, – This well, 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 I'm sorry. What I, I should say – um, what's the term I'm looking Highly for? Unlikely. unlikely. Unlikely, you know, very bad scenario that, that seems relatively unlikely. Again, obviously, there's 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 some argument about how likely it is. Sure. But I don't think that that's necessarily – you're not free if you're constantly living in fear and preparing for something, for this potentially bad thing to happen. Well, it's like if Joe I'm would... constantly carrying my umbrella out every day just because it might rain. There's like a 10% chance of rain, so I carry my umbrella every day. You're, you're – you're, 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 that's not a happy place to be, constantly living in fear like oh, that. I want to come back and keep this discussion going, if you don't mind. Hang on, Joe, because I don't know if Joe would say he's living in fear. I mean, I can that see. It sounds that, like it to me. I don't know how you could deny it. I, I, I see where you're coming from in, in making that statement, and I, I might actually agree with you, uh, Dale. But I'd, I'd like to j- have Joe respond to that. Uh, so we'll do that in a moment here at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Is there something to being prepared? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. If you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, well, head on over and uh, go to our Facebook profile and become a fan. Go to facebook.freetalklive.com. Click the Become a Fan link. Good, easy way to keep in touch with us over the uh, the Facebook platform. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. And here on Free Talk Live, we, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation for an investment or even barter currency in case things go south. Not this far south as we've been talking about here in the last segment, but south. Well, uh, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. The U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Monta- Montana Silver Reserves. You can go to there and uh, at, at gold.freetalklive.com and uh, see all the rate, all the, the the best rates really that that we could find um, on these coins. It's gold.freetalklive.com. All right, we we've got Joe with us here in Illinois, and he's calling because he's concerned for the liberty movement. He thinks that it's my understanding of what you've said so far, Joe, is that you think that there should be a, a greater focus on things like uh, self sufficiency and survivalism and uh, and that. Kind kind of uh, that mindset, that movement, if you will, that should be a larger chunk if, uh, of the, the liberty movement. And you're encountering a little bit of resistance here, but I have to say I empathize uh, with, with where you're coming from because to some extent I have felt this way in the past and I've, I'm, I'm more aware now of it and I try to, uh, to mitigate it and I think I've done a pretty good job of it. 
but sometimes I'll get into that that uh, mindset of you know well maybe I don't have what I'll uh, what I'll need I, I mean because I do have I I have a, a rack in my basement with some canned food on it and some water down there I, I do I have that um, but I don't have you know the uh, the full medical kit and I don't have the you know there's this whole list over on LouRockwell.com one day they put this list survivalist list up or something like that and there was just hundreds of items make sure you have all of these things and I looked at that thing and I thought well gee I don't have uh, I mean, maybe I should get the toilet paper. I thought toilet paper, that'd be pretty useful. So I got some toilet paper. But the rest of it, I just I just said, you know, I, well, there's a point at which it, you've, you've gone too far. There's a point at which uh, that uh, I think it's reasonable to be prepared to some extent. But I think that uh, after a certain point, you've gone into either obsession or a hobby. And for me, I don't want that to be my hobby. And I certainly don't want to be obsessed with it. If that's what you want to be your hobby, I think that's uh, that's fine. Uh, but uh, Joe, it, it almost needs to be a hobby. If it's fun for you, then by all means. I mean, this is something you enjoy. But I think you're going to find incredible frustration trying to convince everyone that they have to take up your hobby because it's not interesting to them and they do not see it as a as a a likely scenario. This 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 terrible you know concern. Joe, you still with well, us? Well, I I can I can understand that, and uh, I I just think it's something that should be. More, more part of the the liberty mindset because uh, how does know, that I, how does it factor in though I mean you were talking about organizations like the Campaign for Liberty this is primarily a group that does their thing in Washington D.C. so how is it that somebody who's living in an urban zone which is where a lot of the uh, the poli- politicking that these organizations are doing uh, I mean what do you do for survivalism if you live I in Washington D.C. you're not going to go catch a deer there. Yeah, I mean it's just a different thing. They're gonna people who are interested in that are gonna do that, and that has nothing to do with the things you're talking about. That would be a different group that people would get involved with to get in, into all that. I mean, like campaign for liberty, it's a totally that's just a completely different subject. They're not gonna get into that. Well, I I I understand that, but what I'm saying is the people in that mindset of liberty would, would benefit, I think, uh, from uh, taking a closer look at a. Uh, different uh aspects of survivalism and uh well what do you do uh, in the city i mean what can how can you have survivalism in uh, in an urban zone can i make an analogy about this actually okay there's there's many things that you can do just uh i mean just to help you prepare for some type of natural disaster almost everyone uh lives in an area that could be struck with some type of natural disaster from time to time and uh and that's not. I don't think that's crazy to be prepared for something like that. So when it does happen, or if it does happen, you don't have to go crawl into the government and accept all their conditional aid and, isn't and the you know, go to the camps and all that. Isn't the government really going to be the problem here? Because where's the government going to get – the government doesn't have huge stockpiles of food. I mean, you know, to some extent for the military and that kind of thing, but they can't feed the nation for very – gosh darned long at all and where are they going to go after that and once they've stripped the uh, you know if you're talking about a total breakdown once they've stripped the stores out of their you know few days worth of stocks um then they're coming to your house to look in your basement for the stuff that you have i mean at that point it's worth the government agents the fema people coming and knocking on doors and seeing what people have because we have to distribute it to those who have not so i i I always feel like uh, you know that there's there's a hole in the survivalist plan, and that is these uh, you know the same organization. It sounds like I mean some of the things you're talking about don't sound like unreasonable efforts. I mean having 
store food stored away. I think for some period of time is not a bad idea for. Oh, a lot I have of it too. To yeah, and I'm I'm working on it. I actually have some plans right now coming up to do to be more prepared. And um, but but I but it sounds like you know. You're talking. You were talking about being able to go out in the woods and survive. You know, right? I can't. Whittle that's a that's a that's a pretty specialized skill that's going to take being a hobby. Right? I can't whittle my own bow, and I'm never going to be able to. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not even talking about stuff that's that hardcore. But but yeah, like you said, stockpiling food, having a firearm, and knowing how to use it if you ever had to. Well, see, that's actually an issue I'd like to talk about because this is something I've been giving a lot of thought to lately. Because I have a firearm, I, uh, I, I you know, I felt very like an urgent need to get a firearm, and a lot of this is because of pressure from the libertarian community. Um, uh, you know, not undue pressure or anything. Nothing, you know, just sort of that. That's just the culture, right? Is to be, you know, to have a firearm and know how to use it and go shooting regularly, and that we're safer if we carry firearms. And there's a big culture of making sure that people are allowed to carry firearms in New Hampshire, which I think is 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 very good. I know that like I'm very much against government disarmament and all that stuff. So, but uh, but but actually, I found that I um. I'm doing this because that's the culture and that's what's being impressed upon me to do, but I haven't carried a firearm all my life. I'm not that interested in it. I find I don't particularly enjoy shooting that much. I'll go shooting and look forward to it, but I'll be done in like 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Let's go have lunch now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I'm going to sell my gun and I am not going to have a gun. Um, you know, and I'm announcing this on the air. I'm not going to have a gun anymore. I'm not going to carry a gun. I'm not going to get involved in gun activism. Dale, if you want to come back, uh, do you, do you want to stick around, do an extended edition here for a few with us? Sure. And keep, the, keep this conversation going. Uh, Joe, I want to thank you for, for calling on this because uh, I think it's important to talk about this issue. I, from my perspective, I've seen this constantly within the liberty movement. I mean, if, if all you're looking at is press releases from the campaign for liberty, then you might think, or the Libertarian Party or whatever, uh, these political organizations, then yeah, you're not going to see any kind of survival mentality. But for me, just kind of being generally around liberty-oriented people, these are things that uh, that tend to come up, and and not the extremes of uh, how to you know slaughter a deer or you know live on uh, with two matches in the forest, but the general idea of like you were saying, being well armed and being trained. There's a lot of that up here in New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, there's there's certainly plenty of storing the things, storing up, emergency. stocking up. So from my perspective, I see that stuff, and maybe you're just not paying. Uh, maybe you're not running in the right circles. Uh, maybe. It's it's just something we see more often up here in, in New Hampshire. Maybe it's just because people are more hardy and more self-sufficient just in general up here. I, I don't know. But I mean, the, have the you guys seen this stuff all over oh, the yeah, place? All kinds of alternative heat. Things well, the, in case something at, happens. At the last pork fest, there was this uh, these these people uh, porcupines who gave a, a speech on the sustainable farm that they were running or something right. like that. It was amazing. So maybe you just need to get up here to New Hampshire, Joe. Get the hell out yeah. of Illinois. Yes, I, I definitely am looking at doing that. Good and, idea. Uh, I think. Thank you very much. You guys. Yeah, I think something job. you'd really enjoy, by the way, is uh, you mentioned this the thing at Porkfest, Mark, the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's the summertime gathering of the Free State Project people here in New Hampshire. They have an alternatives expo, both at the Pork Fest and the the Liberty Forum. The That's the event that happens in March, uh, the more convention-y style thing. But these are where a lot of these, well, alternative lifestyles and uh, energy sources and, you know, uh, food sources and things like that are discussed. And there's a there's a real community that surrounds this I go every single time they have one. I mean, I, I love it. So thanks for the discussion, Joe. I appreciate hearing from you tonight at 800 259 
3231. We've actually got some calls that just came in on the amp lines. I'm going to ask those folks to hang on because we're going to go into extended internet-only mode here in a few moments. I want to, of course, thank our radio listeners for uh, for being with us here tonight. Uh, if you are listening on the radio, well, uh, you're welcome to join us online at listen.freetalklive.com, where in mere moments we'll be continuing this program. Internet only, no FCC. It'll be completely We're uncensored. Cuss up a storm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk in a prurient fashion. Uh, but we can keep talking about this uh, topic of the survivalism and kind of living in fear. Because I wanted to t- come back to the fear aspect of things. We didn't really get a chance to touch on that. And uh, so we'll do that. And thanks uh, for tuning in here tonight. If you're on the internet, stay tuned. We're going to continue here in moments. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, extended edition, internet only. We're here, and we're taking your phone calls. You can dial in via the Soapbox number. You can use a contest line if you want to, but the Soapbox, we've retooled the Soapbox number. 603-722-06. Excuse me, 0267, 603-722-0267, also 0AMP. That's what 267 translates to in phone letters. Uh, so actually, uh, we figured out that our number is, uh, if you do the phone letter translation thing, 603-SAC-0AMP. So SACO-AMP. <laughs> is that a sack with a C or sack with a K? Uh, so it's with a C. Yeah, it's just, it's, you can't really give it out that way. It's not very easy to give it out that way. So 603-722-0267. We've got all kinds of uh, available phone lines for you to get on the air here. We've got two folks on hold. We're going to get right into those calls. I don't know if they're still on the survival topic or not. Uh, you know, anything we'll goes. It is free talk live. But I definitely want to come back to the survival thing. And I forget what point you were making, Dale, so I hope you'll remember it. <laughs> There's Guns. more coming up. Guns, <laughs> right, right. All right, let's go. Ampline, you're on the air. Who's this? This is Dennis in New Hampshire. Dennis, what's on your mind tonight? I wanted to talk about monster trucks because I went to like a monster truck expo over the weekend and it was fucking cool. It was in Manchester, right? Yeah, it was out in the uh, Verizon Wireless Arena there next to Murphy's Tap Room. I wanted it was, to see it. it. Cool. We need a little bell with a counter every time someone cusses Bing. on the offline, on the online version, and like, oh, we had this many fucks and this many shits <laughs> and so on. Yeah, so you know, at first, because I'd, I'd been to like demolition derbies, which are, I guess you could say, a, a particular favorite of mine, because you know there'll be crashes. Demolition derby. They all they all crash and that's cool, right? Yeah. But I'd never been to a monster truck event, and at first I was bored and thought it would kind of like I wished it would get over soon because, like, at first they were just jumping cars. Like the monster truck jumps over the cars. The mm-hmm. next monster truck jumps over the cars, and it was just too slow. And you know, my son is not getting interested, and and he's you know five and a half years old. He should be interested in this stuff, right? But then they save the day. This thing came out. Oh, my God. This was so cool. It was called Megasaurus. <laughs> Megasaurus came out. This reminds Megasaurus me of... Megasaurus was like a modified Abrams tank or something. <laughs> and and it, it trundles out on these treads. And, and then, like, it opens up. And, of course, the announcer is, is taking talking, like, this, this stupid sci-fi backstory. It's like, you know, due to an intense burst of gamma ray radiation, Megasaurus was born. And this is great showmanship. So by this. <laughs> and, and and so the tank opens up and this giant like three story high hydraulically manipulated tyrannosaur with like laser eyes comes out, right? Oh good lord. And it 
it goes over and it grabs a Toyota in its giant crusher claws, <laughs> and it has this like massive hydraulic jaw, and it ate the Toyota, man. It fucking ate the Toyota, and then it would wow. breathe fire. It was so fucking cool. Oh, I see the pictures here of it. I, uh, I, I can't believe I missed this. I really hate <laughs> that I missed this. Oh, it'll come back, probably. They did a spoof of it on uh, on The Simpsons, which I thought was an exaggeration, and then I saw some ads later that and found out, in fact, that really wasn't a, an exaggeration. So it breathes fire. I think fire, it was Truckosaurus the, on The Simpsons. Did, you said it breathes fire? Did you say, did you say yes. that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it, it pumps out enormous quantities of fire, like at a rock concert where you can like feel the heat from, you know, Good from Lord. back in the seats. It was wow. like that. It was breathing, and it would like come towards the audience and make a menacing, like you know, sounds and open up its jaws, and the audience would like you know, the, <laughs> and raise their beers and stuff because Megasaurus <laughs> eats Toyotas. Awesome. Wow. So, what else do you want to share tonight? Anything? That's it. It's cool when cars get smashed up and stuff. It is cool. Thanks for the call tonight, Dennis. Appreciate hearing from you. Let's go to the other amp line. You're on Free Talk Live Extended Edition. Hey there, Mark. Ian Dale. This here's Ted. Ted, (laughs) call from the woods. By God, man, you guys were talking about surviving in the woods, and I was like, hell, I live in the damn woods. I can call in about this. And then that son of a bitch came on and started talking about fucking monster trucks. Goddamn, <laughs> what the hell of a show you guys got going on tonight? Damn right. What more could you want? <laughs> Free talk lives, fried sucker bars, and we're good to go. Something for everybody. All right, on. Hey, man, uh, 94.5 in Charleston. Yeah. West Virginia, not the other Charleston. Everybody else thinks I'm talking about when I say damn Charleston. They goddamn need to change the name of that place, I think. It's in South Carolina or whatever. Right. But so all right, 94.5, man. Fucking weekday shows, we only got them one hours. I know. It's awful, isn't all it? All weekdays. It's uh, awful. You know who that son of a bitch is that's on there before that? Michael Savage. Michael goddamn Savage. Awful what the man. Hell? He's awful. We got to do something about that. We got to get we got to get that son of a bitch off there. Well, I'll tell you Good what. Lord. I'll tell you what, Ted. What you need to do is uh call old uh, Dave Evans over at WVTS and tell him how you feel about uh Free Talk Live. Tell him that uh, you want to hear more of it during the week. Oh, hell, I'll Savage. do that for you, buddy. I'll do that right now. I'll do that for myself, too. Dave Evans, a hell of a nice guy. He uh, really likes Free Talk Live, and he's one of the, the guys that uh, that added our show a long, you know, fairly long time ago. VTS has uh, been with us in Charleston, West Virginia for quite a long time, and you know, it's one of the few weekday stations. We don't have we don't have as many weekday stations as we do uh, week we, uh, weekend stations. So, I mean, I appreciate just having one hour a night. But hey, if we could have more, that would be great. And and you know, you never know what one phone call can do to a Ted's program got, director. Ted's got an opinion, and Ted should express it to the uh, program. Director. Absolutely right. You know, something they might want to consider, something they could do uh, if they wanted to. Would be to split the signal and and keep the uh, you know the AM side Michael Savage and put Free Talk Live on the uh, the FM side. We're the, more of an FM show anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's an idea. I don't know. You, you you should just keep it simple and tell them that you really like that Free Talk Live is on the air. That you appreciate that uh, that you can hear us on Saturday nights for three hours and you want to hear all three on uh, the weeknights as well. Do you don't think I should go into how big of a son of a bitch that Michael Savage is to the radio manager there? <laughs> I think he probably already knows it. It's just the problem is no, Michael Savage is... Yeah, that's true. It's, it's hard to miss that amount of son of a bitchedness. Is well, all I, gotta say. I call these guys. Yeah, I call and I talk to these program directors. Uh, that's my day job, basically, is I call talk stations and talk to the program directors. And a lot of them don't like Savage. I mean, on a personal basis, they don't like him. They don't like his uh, his shtick. They don't care for his, his viewpoint. But the guy gets listeners, you know, it's, and that's it's the meat problem. It's potatoes to a very targeted audience. 
You know, there's, there's a certain targeted audience that eats that stuff up and never gets enough of it. It's just sort of like a very specialized audience then. And, uh, they, they, they'll never get sick of hearing more hate rants and sensationalism and, and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's. There's a large number of people who like to eat babies too. It's probably the same crew. You know, what might be more likely is they might put us on later on. That could be a possibility is to take the first two hours of the show and air those, uh, after the third hour of the show. That might be something that is easier to do than getting rid of Savage. But just letting them know how you feel and that you want more Free Talk Live is an important thing to do. And, uh, and it can make a difference. So, Ted, anything else you want to share tonight? Yeah, I was just wondering one thing. Me and my lady were having a conversation earlier. No, you're talking about Mechasaurus. That's what I like to call her from time to time, by the way. Just a little <laughs> throw that in there. Uh-huh. Anyways, we got this here. Um, the FCC, we ain't got to deal with them right now. I realize no. this, and I've uh, already taken advantage of that situation quite a few times already. What words can you not use on the damn... Uh, Well, Mark started bitching at me tonight. Mark was bitching at me tonight because uh, the nice lady we had on the first hour used the term asshole. I I, I believe you used it uh, last night too, Ted. Yeah, yeah I did. said asshole. I, I tend to do that. I maintain that it's. I maintain that the words you can't say on the radio are fuck, cunt, shit, uh, cock. Yes, and, and, and unless you're talking about a rooster, guns and cocks, right. and uh, yeah. I've said cock on the radio while talking about a rooster. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Context uh, is very well, if you're important. If you're not talking about a real rooster, what if you're talking about like the fake roosters that you put on the roof, show you which way the wind blows? I think you could talk about that. that I would think be you called can... a weather vane, though. I think you can say <laughs> asshole, but Mark is worried that some station's going to get well, rid of us. Right. Over I that. think you can say asshole too. So it's just a... the four words. Funk. Uh, I think fuck, you can say shit, asshole, you just can't cop. talk about penetrating the asshole, right? Yes, exactly. You can't say Damn. you want to lick an asshole or, uh, you know... Well, fucking this, asshole. This doesn't, this doesn't What's hold, the point of talking about on this? This doesn't hold water, though, because I can say fuck Dale without... sounds kind of tore up over that one. <laughs> I, I can say fuck without talking about fucking someone, um, so that doesn't that doesn't hold water, that particular explanation. Yes, but and the for term Free Talk fuck. Live... Wait, wait, wait. Free well, Talk Live is on news talk stations, so we're not doing a morning zoo kind well, of... I think... But Ian is saying <laughs> that... Ian is saying wait, that wait, I'm not done. I, 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 hold on. I've got a... I've got a, a you know Dia tribe I want to go on here. This isn't a morning zoo show where we can say hee 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 boobies or anything like that. We're on news talk stations, stations that that um, uh, you know appeal to unfortunately a slightly older, stodgier, stick in the ass more um, demographic. And I think that it 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 puts a it, it damages Free Talk Live's chances of staying on those stations by saying words like asshole. Ted, Ted, it's your turn to talk. Yo. Oh, right on. <laughs> well, that makes sense to me. Everybody listening to the news. I don't know, but hell, look at Fox News. What do they talk about? They talk about them boobies all the time, too, on the Fox News. Ain't nobody complaining about that. Yeah, hell, they're one of the biggest point. damn TV stations out there. Really. I'm with you, Ted. <laughs> hey, thank well, you for the call tonight, man. I appreciate hearing from you. Right on. You guys take it easy. All right, man. Well, hey, the soapbox number here, it rings through. What I didn't explain before is the soapbox number will ring through here uh, after the live radio show is done. So if you call 603-722-0267 right now, that will actually ring here into the studio. So uh, uh, Now, Fox's new shtick is they, they show the boobies and the strippers dancing and whatever they do, and they talk about how awful it is. <gasps> Can you believe that she's gyrating in that fashion like that? <laughs> doesn't Rush Limbaugh curse? It's a convenient excuse no, to show them. No, he doesn't. I thought I've heard that he does. I've thought he I've uses heard terms like adult beverage and things like that. No, he he tries to. Uh, no, I haven't. No, no one says asshole, but free talk live, dude. That's it. It's a bad, <laughs> bad move. 
Wait, go ahead, let everybody say asshole all you want, and at some point in the relatively near future, they were going to get kicked off of some some station, and then you'll stop. That's all. Do whatever the <laughs> fuck you want, dude. Do whatever you want. Don't listen to me. I know you hate listening to me. You hate me being right, and that's fine. Wait until one of your program directors that you work your fucking ass off talking to day in and day out says, sorry, dude, station owner said, you got to go. Somebody said asshole. Don't you have a dump button? And you'll say, yeah, I've got a dump button. I just didn't use it. Well, I say, well, sorry, we've we've got an out in our contract, and we're going to use it. Goodbye. Yeah, but it hasn't happened it since hasn't, 2005. Yeah, it, it, what has, right, it happened in 2005. That's fine, dude. You can have it happen again. You and can learn, the reason it happened back then was because... And then you can wait four years and do it again. The reason it happened back then was because the program director that added our st- uh, show to his station never listened to the show before he added it to his station. All right, and man. And he How didn't know to, what he was getting into. Right, that, that much is true. How about Toledo, dude? Um, we didn't have a dump box until Toledo, uh, the first night that Toledo aired, and then somebody accidentally said fuck on the air. I never said shit. it was all right to say fucking shit no, on the air. No, you I'll didn't, but we words. managed to make it up to that point. All I'm saying is, the, the you know... The past behavior does not predict the future. Fine. Do what you want. Wait until you get fucking dropped. (laughs) You don't have to be scared. Asshole is not a bad word. It's something that... Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's not in the same category as fuck, cunt, cock, It is not in that category. I would agree. I I think it depends on the ass, actually, whether it's bad or not. I absolutely agree with you. It is not in that category. I'm just telling you that (laughs) since we're on news talk stations, that their standards are going to be higher or lower or, or different. Whatever you want to call it. What about it. dick? No, you cannot say dick. I don't you say you dick can... around? Well, yes. What about you... tits? Right. I, 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 I don't. Before. I, 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 I usually, if I use the terminology, I'm referring yeah. to teats on like a, a bull or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, actually I think use... you can say teats, not tits. I, my, my tradition is to use titties to talk about guys' chests and boobies to talk about girls' chests. What about bunghole? I think you can get, probably get away with bunghole, but why, why are we talking about bungholes? I don't know. We're talking about assholes. We're not talking about the uh, the actual uh, b- body part of an asshole. We're talking about, in this case, it was the nice lady we had on the first hour of the show from Savannah Last Biscuit, uh, Mama Alley, who used it in reference to cops. And yeah. cops can be assholes. Look, I, I don't disagree with any of that. Yeah. You, th- that's not my point. We're not. I'm not making the point the that this is bad words or anything. Saying the context them. of it really wasn't used in it, because it wasn't used in a sexual manner. I mean, calling someone an asshole is really doesn't sound that strong to yeah. me. I agree with that. Let's continue here. Of, Phone calls. Amp line. You're on the air on the extended edition of Free Talk Live. You're going to be crying. Cry, cry, cry. Hey, this is Georgia, Pennsylvania. You guys are having a great conversation here. Sorry to change the subject. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, I've, I've had enough of Mark up. anyway, so go ahead. Oh, I've had I had enough oh, of the years had ago. Of Mark. But uh, no, I was calling because uh, you had Savannah Last Biscuit on, and actually wanted to call about my own little uh, agoristic uh, business I got going. I actually do uh, I bake out of my home and sell online, and uh, it was actually Free Talk Live inspired. I make baklava. Oh, oh yeah. And, oh, uh, you're Mandrake on the uh, BBS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. Mandrake.com. Yeah. yeah we had the the baklava, right? That was sent yes. us? Yes. yes. It was very, very, yeah, actually, very good. When I, when I shipped it to you guys, it was right when I started, and it was before I got my perfect packaging method down, which I have so now. So it's even better now, and it was good <laughs> then, it, apparently. It's even better now, definitely. I didn't get to try it. But, you have to send uh, yeah, me some. So, I didn't get to try it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got some in the yeah, freezer. But uh, you, guys had her, um, you guys had her on, and I was like, oh, i got to call in. But uh, I'm at, I work at night, so it's hard for me to call in. 
Yeah, but, she was uh, heroic. Yeah. I was I a great interview. I was talking in between on, on during a break. I was talking with Mark and Ian about whether I should go into an agris baking thing because I do. I'm really famous up here for muffins and pancakes and different things. So, sure. Oh, I, cooking's so much fun, and it's something I've always I, I've grown. I mean, grown up in a Greek family. It's, it's just something you learn at a very early age. So how's it been so, for you? Uh, I mean, how long have you been selling the baklava, and how's how's has it been successful? What's it like? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I'd always thought about it, and I was like, every time I looked into the licensing, I'm like, man, forget this. This is just, it's just a headache. And then I started listening to Free Talk Live back in August, and I just remember you saying about, hey, you know, just take baby steps into civil disobedience. You know, find something you can do. And I was like, well, I can make baklava. <laughs> so I, that's what I started doing, and uh, I wanted to, I wanted to have it up and running for Christmas time. You know, I wanted to have like a reputation by then, so you know, people would buy from me. I just want to start it up then. So I started in September, and it took a while because I started on eBay, and I have a very basic website, and uh, I put it up. It's kind of like that first person, just someone who's buying food from somebody on the internet who has no reputation for selling it. It's kind of hard, so it took a couple weeks. Sure. But once it started, it was you know it was like that avalanche effect. And now, I mean, for Christmas I was baking. I mean, I work a full time job, and I raise twin girls. I was baking two pans, three sometimes three pans a day, just Jeez. getting it out. I mean, I was. I was shipping like 20-some pounds a day. So this is all going out over the Internet. You're not necessarily selling locally? And I do locally, yes. Because okay. my family owns restaurants, so I was putting signs up. I was asking Greek hey, people cool. that own restaurants? Who ever heard <laughs> of such <laughs> <Right>? a thing? <laughs> <laughs> so what's your family think about your baklava uh, recipe? They, they, Well, they all say, oh, mine's better, of course. I mean, <laughs> you can have a Greek putting cardboard in baklava, and they say it's better. <laughs> <laughs> you can't... You can't, you can't uh, make food that they think, you know, that they make and they'll think yours is better. So but, you've been uh, shipping, no, you, they, you were shipping out how ideas. much? How much of it? What? How much were that? you shipping? You, you, were, you were saying you were shipping 20 pounds. What was it, a week? A, a, a day at some day? I mean, right up, right up to Christmas time. I mean, it was crazy. Wow. I mean, I was, I mean, I'm just, I mean, I'm not right now, but I mean, just by, by the time uh, Christmas rolled around. And now, and now at this point, I'd probably make, uh, you know, three, four pans a week, which I, I do orders about a pound and a half an order. Okay. And then uh, you know sometimes people buy more, and I also sell full pans on my website on the eBay. I just I just do it in pound and a half increments, which is like sixteen pieces. Got it. It's a lot, and uh, it 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 sells. I mean, I, I get about three or four orders out of a pan, maybe. So you're and selling a few pans. You're selling a few pans a week, three or four orders a pan. I mean, what what kind of extra income are we talking about here now? Well, it went from like, you know, sometimes having to use the credit card to pay for gas or groceries. Now it's like I don't even have a credit card anymore. It's it's done. I don't even need that. Jeez. The extra the extra income. And and I've heard people, you know, my pricing for the baklava, for what it is, it's an expensive thing to make. And I don't use cheap ingredients. That's why I think mine's the best. I mm-hmm. use premium ingredients. So it costs a little bit. But I still sell it at a very cheap price because I don't have to worry about taxes or regulations. Right, so, you don't have all the overhead, and uh, you can exactly. just get it out there. And even if, even though you're just selling uh, maybe a few orders a week, that's a few orders more than zero, and over time that adds up, and it helps it helps pay the bills. And uh, by the way, Osborne, uh, Jason Osborne, the, uh, the pretty much the sponsor of the show, endorses uh, Mandrick's uh, baklava highly. Two pans of uh, his. Well, I'm going to say it because it's uh, it's his quote, and it's right here on the uh, the podcast show. His that shit disappeared in my office in ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, he, he he bought a full pan. It was too big. A full pan is like uh, pretty much like two big containers worth. He and uh, he told me I was like, so how was it? He's like, dude, 
I, I think he said it was like an orgy in his mouth or something. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds exactly like say. him, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to try this I don't stuff. know, something like that. Cool, By the way, it, but, uh, it came endorsed from uh, several people on the on, on the BBS too. But I wanted to let you guys know I I heard Savannah Last Biscuit was coming up to Porkfest, so I was like, you know what, the hell with it, I'm coming up too. So I'll be, yeah, bring I'll your be vodka. Cool, man. There's going to be a lot of uh, stuff being sold at the, I'm the Porkfest. Ezekiel pancakes, which will be yeah, uh, well, made from Ezekiel flour that I mill myself. Big hit last oh, year. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try that. Yeah. Everyone I was talking to said, yeah, we have we have a bunch of food, but there's they're kind of lacking in the dessert department. And I'm like, well, hey, I'll take care of that. Awesome. Well, look forward to seeing you then. How can people find your uh, your stuff on eBay? Where do they go? Well, if you go to mandrick.com, it's it's a very basic site I wrote by hand. I Mandrick? Mean, yeah, M-A-N-D-R-I-K.com. All right. But it links my – I have a Facebook fan page there, and I, you can see my eBay profile from there. Every All day. right. There's your freebie. Now you got to buy ads from now Thanks, on. Thanks for the call, I man. Will, don't worry. Appreciate <laughs> hearing from you at 8 uh, – no, there's no 800 number. What are we talking about? Either that or co-host the show for plugs. That's there, Yeah, that works too. <laughs> uh, so here you go. Uh, here's a number you can dial in on, 603-722-0267, 603-722-0267. Uh, that doesn't really roll off the tongue as much as 603-435-1105, but hey, what can we do, right? You can actually dial either one of those numbers, and we'll uh, we'll take your calls here. So whatever you want to talk about goes. So we still Got haven't had a chance to get to the survival thing, but that's yeah. all right. Let's go to this call on Thanks. the amp line. You're on the air. Hey, Manwich, Dale Bird, and fucking asshole. <laughs> What's up, <laughs> cunt rag? Okay, so Gosh. it's really I'm really happy to be here on this very rare extended edition of Quaker Talk Live. These don't. <laughs> it really is Quaker Talk Live this time too, because I'm about to talk about guns, and I'm probably going to offend some people. Uh, I don't mean to, but I probably will. No, but you're talking about asshole on the air. Um, Mark is correct, completely correct, as usual. <laughs> of course you're going to really say that. Point. You're a prude. No, no whatever. just because I'm an edgehead yeah, doesn't mean I'm saying Mark. It's because of his whatever. It's flawless. <laughs> Mark, you are correct, and thank you for correcting Ian. You, I, but I can't talk to him, dude. I've, is this I, an on-air eating out of Mark's I, asshole? I, I, I have like to right say now? one thing Jesus. for Mark. I, this is one, I have to say one thing for Mark. Is so, I, I sometimes... From the from the arguments that I've witnessed, I almost get the sense that Ian just has to disagree. Yeah, like he, he just he just, just likes he to just needle has me. To be contrarian. He, just, he just likes to needle me. But the problem <laughs> is, is he'll stick to his fucking guns afterwards. Yeah, I mean now, you got to do reverse psychology on him. It's the only way you're ever gonna get anything done. It's a, take a freaking axe handle to his ass. <laughs> okay, so you can't say asshole in the air. However, Mark, um, how do you feel about masshole? Because I use that in everyday conversation. See, I, I, I it, it makes me nervous. Masshole does, but I, I don't see how uh, they can't. You can't. I, I don't see how you couldn't use it. In the same way that the bunghole would make me nervous, I don't think that it's, uh, it's not the kind of word that it's going to get get you kicked off of a station. But I do very much believe that asshole is the kind of word that uh, can get you uh, kicked off. But I think that these things are extraordinarily subtle. I think that when um, when Ted calls in and says some bitch, I, I don't think that's as big of a deal as saying is somebody calling in and using just the term bitch. Um, so I, I think these things are very subtle. Bitch is oh come on. Yeah, I think that it can be I used even in Rush the right Limbaugh term. Bitch. I, I think it and it can be used in, to talk in the, about Hillary Clinton the right way or the wrong <laughs> way. I, I I don't I don't think that forwards his uh, forwards the conversation very well. I think that he is um, he he says that to his own detriment if he does say it about Hillary Clinton. Well, I'm mean, I'm just saying though that, that I I don't think. My point is, you know, even on a news station, I don't think the word bitch is going to raise that much ire. 
Yeah, I think it all is about context personally, and I think that if you're using, uh, if you're cursing for the point of pandering uh, to uh, to the lowest common denominator, then I think that's a problem. Uh, if you're just, if it's just a natural thing like it was with uh, with Mama Allie earlier, I don't think there's any problem with it. Anyway, go ahead, uh, Keith. Oh, I just wanted to um, use the, the marketplace here. If for some reason you do lose a station because someone says asshole on the air, I am pulling my amp, and I'm going to just give it directly to Mark from that That's on. good. He needs it. <laughs> there you go. See, that, the, the, a nice little insult to go with it. <laughs> such, a, such a jerk. No wonder he doesn't mind the term asshole. He is one. <laughs> Anything else, Keith? That's all. Thanks Thank for you. the call, man. Hey, hey, you still there? Keith? Yeah. How's the drinking thing going? You, uh, you, you quit buying alcohol this month, right? Yeah, yeah, it's been really good. Well, when I go to King Karaoke, I still buy a drink or two to support the local business, of course. Oh, oh so you found a, an exemption in your uh, your new rule, huh? Well, I have to support local businesses. It's rude to spend I, a few hours, you know, doing karaoke I, and not. I you know, always get chicken fingers and club soda with a splash of cranberry. Yeah, you could buy onion rings or something like that, Keith. You don't have to buy alcohol. Oh. No, I have a um, principle against that. I'm unable to buy food at restaurants in New Hampshire because the tax is too high. <laughs> they don't. They I'm don't, not going to put they, up with those fucking taxes. You don't you think just, they put? They, wait, 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 they the charge tax on the alcohol? There's plenty of tax on the alcohol. alcohol. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. New Hampshire has the lowest alcohol taxes in the country, so <laughs> I can't complain about that. Thanks, except they get all the profits. Thanks for the call. I appreciate. Well, I guess if you're buying from the New Hampshire stores, thanks for the call, Keith. Appreciate it. That is a tax. Uh, the profit is tax because yeah. it's pure tax. I mean, they, and they have a monopoly on it. Six zero three seven two two zero two six seven. At least I think that number's working. No one has actually called in on that. We've only had amp callers uh, so far here tonight. The, that does not. That number does not ring through the amp lines. By the way, that's a special four extra lines just for everybody else that's not an amplifier. Six zero three seven two two zero two six seven. Uh, so, so the way the new soapbox number works, I sent out an update, and we'll get to the guns thing next. But I sent out an update during the show, during a live show from seven to ten o'clock at night Eastern Time. If you call that seven two two zero two six seven number with the six zero three area code, it will ring through to GCN. So you'll get on our live show. If we're doing an extended edition, so for you know, more than an, uh, for about an hour from ten to eleven o'clock at night, that number rings right here into our Keen Studios. After that, from uh, eleven at night. Through seven o'clock uh, the next day in the uh, in the evening, it goes straight to the soapbox line. So it's like a multi-purpose uh, call-in line. Anytime you use that number, you will get something relating to Free Talk Live, either us live on the air or you'll get to the soapbox. And here is one of those callers right now at six zero three seven two two zero two six seven. You're on Free Talk Live. And I just want to call in and swear my ass off. Hey, is this Kurt? Hey, it sure is. How are you? Hey, Kurt. Hey, Kurt. Good man. What's Good. on your mind tonight? Good, good. Well, I, I, I'm glad you guys are swearing. I think that that's that's very. It it, it helps to. Uh, it, it just helps us to to be real human beings and not have to have all the FCC crap. I really, I really hate that. I I love that the guy called in about the baklava. I think that uh, I'll be looking for that. And you know, you know that uh, we've had at the 420 event. Uh, uh, you know, we have a lovely lady who was uh, selling some. Uh, Special brownies for a little while. They're pretty nice, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. You were getting so. those? You were getting I those? did get my hands on one of them. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Turns out she cooked the good stuff in there. Good to <laughs> know. Real good stuff. Now, there. Kurt, did you guys yeah. go out to uh, the pork fest last year? I don't recall. 
No, actually, we did not. We had some trouble where we did not. We missed this last pork fest. That will never, ever, ever happen again. That was a life-changing event two years ago for us, and uh, it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, it's great. I really am looking forward to it. I'm, I'm bummed that I can't stay for the whole Liberty Forum this year, but the uh, the Porcupine Freedom Festival is I, – I love being there this, uh, this past year, and uh, it's going to be fun. Yes, yes, it is going to be. It's going to be outstanding. It's going to be awesome. We got the camper. We got. Uh, we're going to have some special uh, uh, things there as well for sale. Uh, um, lots of special things for sale. I, we're we're hopefully going to get in touch with Taryn about doing some uh, agorist chiropractic work and maybe Auburn to do some massage therapy as well. So maybe we'll have a, a great place where people can also do that. I mean, there's going to be a ton. Uh, you know, speaking of the agoristic businesses. Um, Agorism is is all new to me. I don't know if you know Jack Schimmick. He was the guy who actually turned me on to it a while ago. And uh, and and um, yeah, agorism is for, for our listeners that don't know. Agorism is essentially offering products and services outside of the you know the official realm. Uh, not asking for permission, not getting licenses, not you know, getting permits, and and things like that. And it's my understanding that at this upcoming pork fest. The agorists are actually going to organize some sort of a directory of agorist products and services that will be available. I mean, just in the last 10 minutes, we've been talking about there have been, I mean, we've got uh, the Savannah's Last Biscuits coming up to bring food. Uh, we were just talking to the baklava guy. He's bringing food out. Uh, Dale's going to be cooking food. Josh was making oh, meatball beauty. subs last year. Uh, Cynthia was cooking in her uh, breakfast in her bikini. I mean, there were all kinds of things last year, and it's it sounds like it's going to blow up even bigger this time. We're going to actually need to have a directory of everything that's available just at Porkfest. Let me tell you, if, if back when I was making crap loads of money in the real estate business, if I had people who would work half as hard as the people I mean you mentioned something and people are on top of it there's a there's a local currency coming uh that um well that Mark and I have talked a little bit about it uh, we we can't really let out too much it's going to be coming up here in Keene and perhaps it's, if, if you know it's it's it is so powerful it is so brilliant it is amazing um we're starting a website as well called Liberty Picture Frames AB is uh, AB uh uh, who's anti-jingoist on the forums? He is—he's uh, put together. He is brilliant, by the way, and he—he uh, he repairs computers, and he's amazing with the computers. Absolutely amazing. He's designed um, a very quick website for us called Liberty Picture Frames. The only thing that I'm nauseated about on the website is that there's an American flag on it. However, yeah, um, yeah I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, I never thought I'd say that, but we're now. Uh, one of our local guys here, Mike, uh, we're, uh, who, who, has a, who has a factory here, we've teamed up with him, and uh, we've basically got a four-man operation so far, um, and uh, there are big, big, big things going to be coming with that. And, yeah, we're going to be we're, – we're, we're doing this very we, – we're, we're all – we all can't stand the state and all the – applications and registrations and enemas you have to give to the bastards. I mean, the, the, the gang is, is it has to be avoided, and I think the Internet's a way to do a lot of this stuff. I think it's amazing. Uh, you know, we're, right now we're just hosted on 110megabyte.com, uh, but we have a guy who's moving up from, and, and, and we take care of each other in this, in this, I guess you want to call it a movement. I, we're we're sent, uh, uh, Yadra bought a blade. Yadra's involved with this. Sent it down to a, to uh, the guy in Florida named Keith, who's going to be moving up here eventually. He's got a few things. He's got a there in Florida. Um, 
first, uh, and uh, he's got he's got some good contracts. But he's There's a lot of up entrepreneurs here. up here. There's no doubt about it. Oh, and, amazing, yeah. uh, and like you're saying, you're, you're making connections with the locals, and they're getting involved as right. well. And I know that uh, I think you guys have been talking with Mark about doing some advertising. So, I mean, that's pretty cool, too, you, you know, on top of everything else. But you're right. It's an amazing movement. And, Kurt, is there anything else you wanted to share tonight? I just think that uh, it's good to be alive. It's good to be in New Hampshire. And if anybody's not up here yet, what on earth are you waiting for? Yeah, that's a great question. Have a question. great night, guys, and keep on swearing. Thank you, dude. <laughs> Appreciate hearing yeah. from you. 603-722-0267. Did you notice Kurt didn't swear? That's all he said was crap. <laughs> <laughs> good all right. for him. So, Dale, guns. Guns, yeah. Well, I, what this um, survivalist called in, it, it kind of... Uh, reminded me of some thoughts that have been in my own mind lately. And part of it is in, you know, thinking about the things that we, there's this culture in in, uh, the liberty movement in particular to encourage everyone to learn about guns and to carry guns regularly. And if you don't love guns, you don't love liberty. Right. I mean, that's almost, there is, there does seem to be that. And I, yeah. And And uh, I'm not entirely against that either. No, no, I'm fine with it. I mean, I understand like the notion that if we create this culture where more people carry guns regularly, that we'll actually have a safer, you know, we'll have less violence overall. I totally understand this idea. Yeah. This notion of, uh, you know, lots of people carrying guns and that would cause, you know, criminals to be more, more cautious because mm-hmm. they they might get shot you know i understand this notion but but um but i also find that like that, you know but i think what it is is i i don't want to constantly live in fear and put all this investment of time and money and effort into being prepared in case someone attacks me it yeah. can happen and i understand that i will be more more prepared for that and safer if I am carrying a gun all the time. And you really need to carry it all the time. You never know what's going to happen. And kind of, I have to constantly be prepared. And you're constantly in, living in fear of this potentiality and preparing for. It. And and you know, but, but of course, if you're if you're if guns are a hobby for you, then it's fun. You know, people like to have a gun on them all the time. You know, that makes them feel better and everything. That's fine. But um. But I don't necessarily like the idea of convincing everyone to, to sort of be in this fearful mindset all the time. Because I do think that we project a lot uh, in terms of what we're constantly thinking about and preparing for. And I cannot definitively explain, you know, I understand this, that I can't definitively explain how that is. But you know how, like, if you, if you, uh, if you approach someone with apprehension, you're, you're distrustful of them. I think there's that sense, like, and they're going to also be like, wait, what's going on here? Like how a dog smells fear, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that there is this sort of, you project, we project what we're, what we're constantly thinking about. And so I really want to be in this mindset of not being constantly distrustful of other people and constantly in fear of what my, someone might be, that someone might be a threat and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I think that um, that there's another way we can create a better world, a safer world with less violence, and I think a lot of that is going to be about actually, you know, promoting and just constantly thinking of promoting and talking about peace and peaceful ways of doing things as opposed to violent ways of doing things and ways to to be safer in our world other than constantly being carrying a gun and protecting ourselves from from violent people. And I was saying that all at the time when I'm I'm. 100% against any sort of government, you know, in forcing people to not carry guns. Right. You know? you're, you're talking about I'm, you. That's all. I, I am talking about me, but, uh, but I would also like to, in the same way, I'd like to encourage a peaceful culture. So uh, encourage. I'm not willing to use violence to do it, and I don't believe in government disarmament or anything like that, but I, do, I would like to 
peacefully persuade people to think about other alternatives. So I'm I, I understand where you're coming from. You want to get the the gun out of your life so that you're not. Uh, you know, using the gun as a sort of preparation tool for something bad, right? Does that sound well, right? Like, like I'm, you know, you think about it. If you have it, if you wear it every day, you're thinking about it, and it's, it's, it's there. You know what? It's an effort. I just am no longer willing to put the investment into anymore. Okay. I'm. I'd like to get the money back for it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna sell it. Uh, I don't want, you know, so that's there's the financial investment. I'm not going to probably, I'm not going to stock up on bullets. I'm not going to go shooting all the time. Uh, for people who enjoy that, absolutely go do it. It's fun for you. Go shooting, carry a gun all the time. If you feel unsafe and that's going to make you feel safer, do it. I'm just saying that, uh, but, uh, but I do kind of like, uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm a little bit, uh, burned out on the whole culture movement to like get everyone into guns and i found like i did it because that because that's sort of the feel like that's what you're supposed to do and i absolutely believe in the notion of the right to carry Mm -hmm. a gun absolutely i mean that's an important you know um the whole idea of the government forcefully disarming people is very uh disturbing for me i understand that but but um so i so i definitely believe it but i also i don't want to put the i'm not interested anymore in investing in investing it's not a priority for me, for instance, to do gun activism either. See, so I'm not going to campaign anymore on Second Amendment, Second Amendment issues, or not that I really did that anyway, because that's working through government and stuff like that. But I'm not particularly interested in uh, in doing open carry litter pickups and things like that. Well, you know, I'm I'm probably a half a step down um, from from where you are on this this particular road. Um, I. I have an anger management problem that doesn't really result in much other than me, you know, acting weird when no one's around. It's uh, you know, largely that's you yell at the radio. Punching when you're in I, a I do. I, I re- yell at the radio. I imagine pulling guns on imaginary perpetrators. Honestly, those perpetrators tend to work for the government because those are the people that I feel that uh, you know come uh, are coming after me. Um, and so you know when. I, I, I've cut the caffeine down again. Uh, you know, I've, I, I have to seem to. It's a it's a drug, right? Like so, I'm, sure. I'm cutting it down again um, because that 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 is a huge portion of this whole dynamic. So I have this anger management thing that um, sort of having a gun around doesn't really help. And um, you know, there's a gun on my property, but it is not mine. Um, so you know, I wouldn't. You know, sort of, do I want to banish it or something like that? Is is kind of a question. I have a tiger light, which is, uh, you know, a, is is a sort of non-lethal weapon, and uh, you know, somebody has to, you know, sort of ask about that. Now, uh, you know, if if the worst case scenario, uh, you put them down with a tiger light, you pull the big butcher knife out, and and you've got them pretty much, uh, you know, taken care of. They're going to be writhing on the ground for ten minutes. Believe me, I've already shot myself in the eye with this thing. Oh, so um, <laughs> it was, it was not pleasant. It was, you know, idiots with uh, pepper spray. <laughs> So, but at the same time, I believe that one should have, you know, like I, to me, a gun's a tool, right? It is simply a sure. tool that strikes a, uh, you know, strikes a, a a bullet and then you know fires that bullet. It's just a tool, and I, I think that a tool is an, a good thing. In, in you know, it's a tool for, in in my opinion. You can use it to get food, and that's a good thing in yeah. case you know something goes poorly. Um, and it's also a tool to sort of prevent further harm. Um, and that's what I've, you know, from my Quaker standpoint, I want to see harm prevented. So I would never, um, even if force was initiated on me by the government, I don't think that there's any, there's no reason at all to use force in the government because it doesn't, it doesn't prevent harm. It only, the, the government only escalates. 
Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's instances where crime is committed or something like that where one can use a gun to hold a perpetrator at bay until, you know, somebody is there I, to take care of that situation. Yeah. And I'm that actually happened gun, to I'm more and more coming to the conclusion – I can't even call it a conclusion but I, because I don't – I can't like – I don't have like solid evidence to argue, mm-hmm. but I am more and more getting uh, of the belief that that is the nature of all violence, that it always escalates. Uh, and I think to a certain point, even justified what you would call justified violence, because I have my notions of violence that, at the, you know, degrees of justification for violence, like mm-hmm. the notion of someone immediately coming after me right now. There's no uh, there's no choice for reason. Like some guy's coming at me, I have got to, you know, either, you know, hurt him badly or he hurts me badly, very likely. Well, you know, and then I'm thinking, well, that's a pretty justified use of violence. You know, that's a a really obvious case of self-defense. But then I say, well, and then I can't help but but realize that, okay, it was justified. Let's say I use violence against him. I kill him. Let's say I kill him. However, however I do it. Well, he's got family. They weren't there at the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe there weren't any witnesses, or the ones who were there are are my buddies. And anyone who hears them say something, well, like, they're going to say, well, of course he was using self defense, you know. And and of course, I mean, or, or people will listen to them and say, well, of course they're his friends. They're going to say he was using self defense. But now we have this case of a family whose whose loved one is dead, and they're going to be very suspicious of me. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to be more fearful of, uh, you know. They're going to be more fearful because they've lost a loved one to violence, even they don't think is justified. They weren't there to witness it. And uh, so it's like, yes, it was justified. I, I, you know, I was totally warranted in defending myself. But I still feel like that's probably going to escalate the violence in the world. But, you know, he that's might, you that's know. not the finer point that I'm trying to get to here, Dale. I'm uh, The finer point isn't you smoke the guy as he's coming at you. The finer point is, um, you know, can you do something to prevent harm to, both to yourself and to this guy. Because yeah, yeah, if this guy possibly. shoots you, uh, yeah, I, if he I, I kills think you, guns are often used in a case where they where they act as a deterrent. Right, and and, That's and true. I, I I'm taking a keto right now, and I, I don't expect you to know anything about it. But um, the uh, this this guy, and I I'm afraid I don't know the Mauricio Ugusaki or whatever his name is, the guy who who came up with this in the late 1800s. He wrote the art of peace, like Sun Tzu's uh, art of war. He wrote the art of peace, mm-hmm. and his the whole concept behind this. There are no kicks, there are no strikes in Aikido. It's all about you know if somebody punches at you, if somebody grabs you, if somebody's coming at at you with a samurai sword mm-hmm. or um, a knife or something like that. And it's what to do to take that person and essentially put them on the ground. Mm-hmm. And um, then you can right. do it again, and then do it again. And the people that are good at this, the you know the the dons, the, the second, third, and fourth dons, the people with the black belts, mm-hmm. you know, once they really know how to do this stuff, they really can just take anybody shy of somebody with a with a firearm and put them on the ground. And there's nothing you can do with these people. They just keep yeah. on. Yeah, that's bam. great. They put I, somebody know, on the ground. I think it's just I would like to favor. Uh, as much as possible, nonviolent solutions. But the, you know? the question is, is that I violence? I mean, that's that's the question that I'm asking you is, is the is is taking somebody who's coming at me meant to do harm? And if they do harm to me, remember this the in the doing of harm to me there. They have repercussions that are going to come upon them. Sure. So what is the worst case scenario? If they stab me, kill me, they're going to prison for the rest of their life. If sure. I can take that person and I can put them 
down on the ground. They're not going no, to prison. I think it's an excellent solution. Then I can leave them know. alone. Like, I, I can walk away. I think Look, it's an excellent solution att- when you're like being aggressed against if you have a way to disable them without hurting them. It's so excellent. a gun being, is a tool. can be used as a tool to make to, for that sort yeah, of absolutely. harm reduction. Absolutely. And, and, so, I, and I mean, and, and even, you know, again, I, I you know, I, it, I think it, there's, there's situations that can come up where it can be very useful. My thought is... Uh, I've made it this far without without ever you having yep. one on me and me using too. it. I mean, I've carried them a little bit lately, but without needing it. Um, I, I've made it this far. Yes, there's the chance that something will come up where I will be much better off ha- if I have a gun on yes. me. Yes. But I do not want to live my life constantly carrying a gun and constantly training with a gun for that rare a potentiality. I want to jump in into this because I've just been sitting here listening and, mm-hmm. and absorbing this because I'm also in a similar position. As, yeah, all three uh, of us are Quakers, yeah. uh, libertarians, <laughs> totally and biased. It, 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 so it's it's uh, you know we, we we're discussing it's it's two sort of contrary positions. I have sold one of my guns. I mm-hmm. uh, I still have another one, but I have sold one <laughs> of them. You sold the uh, the 1911 and you have the AK-47, yeah, right? Yeah. So I mean, you know the. Well, yeah, the other thing, too, I mean, you know, know, even um, despite just the obvious, you know, all the effort and money you have to spend to maintain the gun, there's also the government crap you have to deal with because Mm -hmm. this is one of the things that they constantly want to – through government channels. So I just no, you should. No, no, people. but I'm saying, but you always have the um the risk of having to go to jail because you accidentally left the gun in your car and drove through mass or something and got pulled like that. Over. Yeah, you yeah. know, that's what I'm saying is you you're gonna always have that to deal with. Well, you know? I think that there's that threat of government punishment because you have a gun, which there's, is there's an additional you know. threat. Um, on top of this is the three of us, besides being Quakers and being libertarians, are radio talk show hosts, and uh, you know, you less so, and Ian and I certain certain you know more sure. so. We're on six nights a week. We have the opportunity to create uh, in someone animosity. Um, the show isn't without conflict. Well, they and, create their own animosity. I don't create it for them. But if what you're saying is that they could do something awful, you're right, Mark, but there's not necessarily anything a gun's going to do to stop not it. Not necessarily. If not somebody necessarily. gets to jump on you, your <laughs> yeah. gun's not going to help you. Well, are you going to put the sign in the yard that says gun-free home? That's the question. No, I'm not Because that's essentially that. what you're doing if you say, I don't have a gun at my house. Well, I'm not saying that because I do have. I'm not right. banning guns from my home, and I have roommates. Right, understood. And they do carry guns, so, so but, I mean, yeah. you know, you're, you're in a similar situation to where I am. There's a gun there. You can get to that gun. It's in you know close proximity. Uh, there's also somebody who likely can get to that gun. There's there's more than one person. But you know, um, when it comes down to this, I am. Here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to go on nationally syndicated radio and say there's no gun in my home, but I do have a wife and a child, and uh, you know, I've I've got property and and you know well, you that have kind of said that because you're well, a felon i i don't i've never said that there's no gun i've said that i don't own one yeah things like I that i think that yeah i hear you i think that but see that's that's kind of a stupid thing to do too i mean but I, what are we doing here well no i mean <laughs> i don't think it's well wait, wait, okay no, i think it's i mean it's stupid in the sense of you wouldn't want to like i wouldn't want to tell people that there's a lot of money in my house even whether it is a gun or not i mean you just wouldn't you you don't make your you know, you know that's actually a re- reasonable precaution to take is just just don't make yourself a target you know I think well, what he's saying is you could like be a you, target. You could be a target by virtue of the fact that you're on the radio. I mean, there have been stories. Uh, I mean, some of them have been dram- dramatized, like you know, play Misty for me or whatever, where the crazy radio listener comes out. Uh, just the other day, there was some guy. Uh, just this week in the radio news, some guy went to uh, the lobby of a radio station, demanded to see the morning show hosts, and uh, started. 
I, I think they said he brandished a weapon and was like walking through the halls of the radio station. The police came out and shot the guy. Uh, he didn't get he wasn't killed by the police. But nonetheless, you know, there, so there are these stories of the, the crazies out there and the things that they're going to do. But, you know, just to to be afraid of what might happen as I, I, a result I, of and this gets back to wait, what wait, i wanted wait, wait, to talk about wait, wait, wait. I, I, hold on just a second the fear is a choice that you get to make okay i've got a screwdriver in my house i'm not afraid of screws coming undone okay <laughs> it's a, the gun is a tool and like your relationship around it is what you need to get under under control That's you understand true, what i'm saying it's yes, about the relationship i realize that but i do think that um I mean, the kind of a- the things that we the actions we take affect our thought processes too. Sure. And and so and you think I, that me absolutely. owning a screwdriver makes screws come undone? That, I think that if you carried it in a holster everywhere you went, <laughs> you would probably have you would probably develop a, a you know this this you would well, probably you'd, you'd be the kind of guy fostering the fear then. Well, you you'd, really would you'd be, be the kind of guy that screwed more screws in. You'd find <laughs> screws. You would. You would absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can say there have been times yeah, where I, mean, I, you know. I have been uh, in my in my life I have been victimized. And at times in my life, and if I had had a gun and I'd used it, uh, there would have been a messy situation for me to deal with and to get out of. As yeah. it was, I, you know, I was victimized. I, I lost some lost, money, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and that's it. I moved on. It was it was all right. I mean, I got hurt, but that's okay. I got better. And that's um, just, and you know, and, and I, this is, brings me to what I wanted to say and, uh, about what Dale was saying about kind of living into this certain mindset and you know training all the time and you know constantly thinking about uh, your your firearm and your weapon and and having this on your on your your mind as something that is part of you and is part of your life and you're just kind of living in whether you have fear or not i think dale is right that at some level there there is something there um you may you can deny it if you want to but i i agree completely that that having that around promotes a certain mindset that i don't want to i don't really want to have so i put my the gun that i do have it's it used to be sitting out like where I could see it all the time, I want it out of sight, out of mind. It is out of my my immediate vision. I don't think about it except when I happen to go into the area when it, where it happens to be. And uh, you know, I I think I agree with you on this one, Dale. I I haven't quite quite gotten to the point where I'm willing to get rid of uh of a of you know all of my weapons. Uh, and like you're saying, it's not necessarily just guns uh, that that I have. I think I still have a pellet gun. That's for shooting birds and stuff that are trying to peck into my house. I'm going to keep that. <laughs> but I, th- I think there's a there's a certain a mindset. Yeah, it's a tool. And, and it's a useful one. And if I was concerned about the the ramifications or the small chance that somebody might go crazy over something I said on the radio, I wouldn't be doing radio, right? You know, if I was concerned about what the federal government might do to me for saying the things that I say, I wouldn't be doing this job. So there's certain risks that are inherent with the the job that uh, that you do and the job that we do, and you just have to accept those things. You know, if somebody wants to come after you and your family, Mark, maybe they won't do it at your home. Maybe they'll, you know, come after you. But why wouldn't they? Well, they might not know where you live, they, but they, they might know I, where I, you go I'd every Sunday, or they might, you know, know, you know, they might know something about your routine. Sure. And- uh, well, for one, I'm not concerned with me. I'm concerned with my family. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, you know, obviously, I can't, uh, you know, control where my wife goes or anything like that, and I don't, I wouldn't attempt to do such such a thing. But the the house is the most reasonable place to go. There's no cops in my town. Uh, you yeah. can't see my house from the road. And, um, you know, there's there's none of those none of those things that, uh, you know, it's 
it, it, that's the place to go, okay? So that's the place to keep the tool that one would use in order to handle some situation like that. I can see well up my driveway. I have a means to know when someone's coming up that driveway. Uh, you know, if, if it's some car that I'm not familiar with, I take that, you know, I, I, I keep in mind what could happen. I mean, it's just it's just a possibility. That's all. Just one of the many things that could happen. I don't come out with a gun trained on whoever comes up and then, you know, scare the Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever it is. Because, I mean, they're <laughs> the more likely taker. to come. What's that? Or the census taker or, or whatever. I, I might want to scare the census taker. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't so. I, like I've had the I've had the same sort of awful thoughts about census takers. You know, the, what am I going to say to scare that census taker off so they don't come back? Hmm. 603-722-0267. I just try not to think about all of the awful things that might happen. You keep There's a no camera point. with you. I, that's that's my, my same thought. Yeah, you, you keep a camera as a weapon. You do the same thing, but you do it with a camera. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I can't hurt somebody with the camera, right? I, I mean, I can't if, if I there's a situation. I mean, I made the, I did make the analogy of an umbrella, which isn't you know you're not going to get hurt by the rain either, but you don't want to get wet, so mm-hmm. you carry an umbrella. I'm not going to carry an umbrella all the time. Well, you're talking. I, about I mean, carrying. I'm, I'm all for carrying, re, taking reasonable precautions and and uh, and stuff like that. What I'm what I'm essentially saying is I'm not going to. I just felt like it's kind of the survivalist guy kind of reminded me of this notion of of the of you know. This this relatively rare, unlikely event that I'm going to be in serious danger and have mm-hmm. to pull a gun. It can it definitely happens out there. I mean, it happens all the time. But uh, I'm you know most people make it through their you know a pretty full lifespan without carrying guns. And so it's it's I don't know how much it's worth. How much investment is it really worth? Especially in the investment of fear. You know the the constant train well, where there's when, training and when you were a lot saying that I was that realizing there is an umbrella in my car. So mm-hmm. I may not carry the umbrella with me all the time, but there's one right in my car, and I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Sure. I, it's just there. And it's the same way that one can choose with the, the camera by the door or the – you know, I think that you should keep the camera by the door and the gun in the closet. I actually Honestly, got, I've gotten kind of bad about carrying my camera, actually. I used to be real a lot better about carrying it around. but now For me, it's yeah. on my, my BlackBerry, so I've always yeah. got it no matter what. But but you're paying extra, um, you know, more than you ever did for cell phone yeah. service so that you can have the BlackBerry and the Quick. That's and right. The, you know, that, that what, what is it, Quick.com, K? Yeah. Q-I-K. But that's also Q-I-K. kind of, that, but again, but again liberty anybody. is a hobby of his, too. Just right. like I, I would say someone who's who where guns are a hobby for mm-hmm. them, I don't feel like it's, un, it's I'm not, I'm not. You know, I'm not really addressing that. If you're if you enjoy guns and guns are your hobby, and you know, you're I not think trying to talk them out of it. No, not just, really. You're just talking I, about your I, own I th- story and how you feel yeah. and, and where you've come to. And let's go to the phones. People are calling in here. And the, uh, all the the pressure, the cultural pressure for more people to get into guns and everything. Six zero three seven two two zero two six seven. We continue here. You are on the air on the extended edition of Free Talk Live. Hello, on the air, going once, going twice. Let's try this one. You're on Free Talk Live, extended edition. Hello. Hey, I just wanted I just wanted to compare the um, the gun thing with the nuclear proliferation. Mm-hmm. You have countries out there that have nuclear weapons, and we have to have nuclear weapons. We being the U.S., not us, but we have to have nuclear weapons to protect ourselves from them or whatever. I see the gun issue as the same thing. Nuclear weapons are bad, guns are bad, but as long as other people out in the community have a gun, you have to be on that level to protect yourself. Are you you're saying that so we have to? 
Well, I, you don't what have do you mean to. We have to? You I mean, to you, are you telling me that, that 99% of the population or more doesn't make it through a pretty healthy lifespan without one? No, n- not at all. And I mean, 99% of the countries out there make it fine um, without nuclear weapons. But what if the U.S. was the only country to have a u- nuclear arsenal? What, where would we be at? To have one? Yeah, what if what if there was no Russia, no Pakistan, nobody else that could have the nuclear deterrent on the US? Yeah, uh, I would say that the nuclear deterrent is basically what keeps the US from, uh, you know, in, in the country, countries that don't have nuclear weapons, the United States acts like they own that country, and um the ones that do, they don't. Yeah, and so that's that's where I think the gun thing is. As long as you can have a gun, you know that if you have a confrontation with someone, you at least are at their level. I, oh, I understand I, all I the rationale. That. I, I, I said there are going to be situations. Um, I just um, there are going to be situations where if I happen to have a gun on me, I will be better off. That I can, you know, uh, I just and I've find had it that, be the case that I'd be worse off if I'd had a gun. I've yeah, had that. That's be the not case. necessarily the truth. Um, I know the the situation you're talking about, and the question is, what would have happened if you did simply brandished the weapon and not just pulled it out and started smoking people on the side of the road? I mean, like uh, I was in a situation where I would not been, have been able to brandish it. They would okay. either use it or or, or not or, or not. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, I, I understand yeah, your rationale and, and, on that caller. Uh, just uh, for me, and I think Dale, it's just. I'm uh, more interested in fostering a culture where um, I'd rather, you know, foster a culture where parent, you know, where we get uh, get the, you know, in the indoctrination process of government and start fostering teaching kids to respect others and respect uh, free st- free trade instead of theft and things like that. Uh, I think that's um that's just where my focus is going to be. Yeah, but but how do we get there from here? Do we just leave the guns at home? Don't buy them. I, I I'm fine. You with should that. do whatever feels I mean, right. Do what for you, you want to do, but I'm fine with that. Yeah. I don't think that the guns are what's going to get us there. No, uh, your I gun might protect you in, in some rare situation, but I don't see how it's going to like help us get to freedom. It won't bring us. It won't bring us a voluntary society. That uh, that no, I much, I that much I absolutely agree with. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Let's go uh, quickly here. want to wrap things out by the end of the hour. Let's go to another caller. Who's this? You're on uh, Free Talk Live. Hello? Hello? You're on the air. All right. Is this Puke? This is CJ. Oh, What's sorry. on your mind tonight? Well, uh, we're, to, we're talking about, uh, like, you know, the, the freedom to bear arms, and particularly, like, the Second Amendment rights. Not really, no. We're talking about, um, we're just talking about the choice to to carry guns, because I, I think everyone here is for the freedom to to carry them. I don't think anyone here oh, yeah. thinks you should not have the right to carry guns. That I'm I'm quite certain of that, actually. Yeah, and how it, it might be a rare occurrence that, like, you know, violence may be enacted upon you, and not being properly prepared can also be like kind of a kind of like accepting. Uh, the situation as it is dictated by the government, like uh, self-disarmament. I, I, I. What? Well, what if you aren't interested in arming yourself in the first place? I mean, it's not rely on a phone call and and rely on uh, the protection of police. Well, no, but, no, I'm I not. Mean, I'm not. Time, I may not do that. I'm just saying. I'm. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's all kinds of things you can do to protect yourself. 
other than guns. And there's, you know, there's a lot of things you can do to reduce the likelihood that you're going to be, uh, of, you know, in, in a situation where you'll have, well, you'll have to defend yourself in some way. There's all kinds of things to do. And, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's alternatives I, I, I to police totally and stuff be. like that. But I'm just saying, I, I, but, I, but I, I think there's this sense of like, well, the government doesn't want me to be armed, so I should just be armed to be contrarian, <laughs> you know. And that well, seems kind well, of silly so to much. me. I, You're letting them control you just as much that way. Might create like a kind of a mindset towards uh, needless aggression. But I mean, I'm 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 speaking from. Uh, I was an ex-service member, and I was stationed in Fairbanks, Alaska, for about four years. And I never, outside of the military, even uh, considered the possibility of owning my own firearm. Never felt it was necessary until my house was broken into, and I didn't have a way to defend myself. Were you home at the time? Yes, I was home at the time. And one of my roommates, who was also a fellow service member, was mortally wounded because no one really there at the time could have reacted. It was like 2.30 in the morning. They broke in, and this guy apparently was a meth head, and Mm. he was my neighbor. He lived adjacent for me. Jeez. Yeah. And, you you know, the next day I went out and bought a pistol. It was kind of a reactionary, you know, action to the violence that occurred Mm -hmm. on my residence, but I felt like I was unprepared for the situation. And I don't know how much having a camera or having an ability to be able to talk someone down when they're in a a different state of mind would really have changed the outcome. Oh, I don't expect the camera's going to do anything. The camera's only for government agents. How would the gun have changed the outcome? Yeah, the gun gun may uh, may very well have prevented that. But I, I think that you're in, by thinking in terms of the gun. Have you considered all the other things that you might have done that might have prevented that situation? Maybe, uh, maybe if you had a your uh, a reinforced front door or something like that. What if you yeah, had? What if time, you? What I if mean, you had done things in your community to improve your community, and maybe that person might not have been in a situation to 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 need to break into a house to I get really drugs. I was too concerned about the community at the time. I was young. I was probably oh, okay. nineteen years old. But that's a choice and I, and that you had. That's a choice you made. As, I had the kind of mindset that you know. Well, think about know, this. Like invincible I, and shit. But it was it was it was basically. Well, that was a choice you made too, just like not having the gun. And you feel like, well, yeah. I made a horrible mistake by I not agree. having a gun. What about the mistake? What you know, maybe it was a mistake not to get more involved in your community to make it a better place, so that that guy wouldn't want to break into your house in the first place. Yeah, I feel that way, but I also feel like you know. It, uh, the local politics at the level it was like circuit 19 courts or something like that. They uh, they had passed a lot of legislation that had nothing to do about firearms control or the kind of prolific... Uh, I'm not so against drug use, but I have to say that there was a kind of a generative uh, effect of drug use in the community where I lived. And I, I wasn't fully aware of it until this happened. And seeing the uh, aftermath of it, like, it kind of invoked a little, it, it kind of a lit, lit a flame for me for as far as getting involved in politics. And it kind of opened my eyes to the problems that are 
a little more closer to home. And, like, I can look back and think about, yeah, I could have done this differently or that differently, but I'm, I'm trying to think more towards, well, I balance the ideas of of being able to write for the right to bear arms versus, say, the right to speak freely. Because, honestly, there isn't really much... Uh, there really isn't a difference at all, in my opinion. In in the right between the right to bear arms and the right to speak freely. No, not at all. I mean, honestly, uh, and the idea of rights in general are it's kind of contrived. Like, I don't know. I think I kind of have like a. Mo- it sounds like your the implication is that. There, you see sort of the gun as as accountability for your rights. like the, Not the, just an accountability, but more so like when you're not re- represented by your government and you have to take control of a situation due to – like if everyone's really dependent on government control from cradle to the grave and get lulled in this kind of like sense of protection based on laws and over-representation, then – Maybe it call it creates like a false paradigm. I I I can't disagree with I, that. So your friend was was killed by this meth head. Yeah, he was he was shot dead oh by a meth God. head. He was shot in the throat, and I did everything I could. I was trained <sighs> to be a combat lifesaver. I was a rifleman uh, in the one seventy second infantry. I served for five years, and I couldn't save his fucking life, so... What happened? How did this guy get in your house in the first place? Well, it had a little to do with shoddy uh, building codes. We didn't... uh, We started running. I I didn't like the atmosphere and the environment on the military post, so a few of us got together and decided to live off base, not knowing really the environment we were getting into. Mm -hmm. And... We lived on a a pretty quiet street. Everything, you know, it, it it looked quaint. Like we had, there was community. People got together to do things. Mm-hmm. We had uh, community outreach programs for taking care of the uh, local Inuits, Native Americans in Alaska. Right. And I contributed a lot of my time to that. And. I didn't really know how prolific the uh, methamphetamine use was in Alaska. And it's part of negligence on my part. Like, I probably should have looked into it a little further, but I can't chalk up everything to me just being young. I mean, I have a functional brain. I could have looked into it a little harder. But now I'm 26 years old, and I look back on this, and it's like, wow, I could have probably uh, done a little more, probably to help out. Outside of just, yeah purchasing a firearm, which is very easy to do. It's probably a little easier to do than uh, New Hampshire. Well, okay, I, I definitely see what you're saying, uh, and, and I'm so sorry that that, uh, that that happened to you, but I'm still curious. You said something about shoddy building codes as far as how this meth head got into your house. What does that mean? Oh, it had something that, oh, basically, there isn't so much... Uh, did he come uh, into the door? I live in New York door? State now. I'm, I'm from New York State. And you have to go through more building code regulation than you have to, like, just to do a renovation and or if you have a commercial business. 
example, like, you know, having a, having stairs that required a certain amount of uh, feet, be able to have a rail, or your door should be so many feet from such and such. Well, basically what happened was they built, I'm going to say it's pretty much like the equivalent of shacks. The house looks nice, but when you get inside it and you live in it and actually dwell in it for long enough, you realize that they did just about the bare minimal to make it sufficient for human life. <laughs> so did, did he kick down the front door, bust out a window, uh, break well, through no, a wall? What he did was basically he, uh, he, he rammed his shoulder into the door enough to bypass a so-called deadbolt. And, I mean, that instantly startled me. Like, I got up and I started yelling, and my roommate ran to the front door. And the guy hadn't even broken the door down. And he was already shooting. Good wow. And he just happened to have been caught. And it was just, it was freaking, it was a horrible mess. He was later apprehended by uh, the state police. And Yeah, one would think it would be, uh, you know, a guy that's that, that far out of his mind isn't, yeah. is, you know. Yeah. Well, he didn't, even, he didn't mm. even try to flee or anything. But yeah. it was just a real, like, when I think about, like, the right to bear arms or being able to, like, own a pistol, that situation for me, like, it doesn't seem... So uh, appropriate for where I live now because I haven't had, you know, I haven't I haven't really thought about this as being like such a possibility where I live right now. Mm. It always is. Sure, it is. But when I lived there, it kind of really opened my eyes to. Yeah, this is why well, it's you know, stories like that. That is why I'm kind of still in the middle. Like yeah. uh, I can't quite well, let go the, of my guns. At the completely. same time, the, the situation he describes it. It sounds. It, I mean, there are cases where I think a gun can prevent something like that. There's no doubt. I don't know that that's one of them. It sounds like it would have happened. Uh, I mean, were you were you going to shoot through the door? Yes. You would have shot through the door when you hear someone banging on it. Yeah, hold up. You might end up one of these days. You maybe you're going to shoot a cop who's uh, breaking into your house uh, to look for drugs, and it's yeah, going to really escalate into a horrible scenario. Part. I don't know. It's I, never it's never easy, right? I mean, if if he shoots first, then that certainly justifies a, a return fire. Oh sure. Yeah. Uh, but if he shoots yeah. first, maybe you get caught with that uh, that first yeah, shot. Your I chances mean, of returning fire aren't as good. But then, after like his first Dale shot. says, if you're shooting first, then you're taking some significant risk. I mean, you you haven't had your life placed in jeopardy necessarily. But that's actually a situation I do not. I don't want to. I don't want to have to decide that. I mean, you know, it, there's a. I, I, there's a, a lot of gun training, for instance, is, is doing it in an almost impulsive manner to, because the situation is such that, like, you have to act very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to have to decide to shoot someone that quickly. I think I, that's going to be a case of, you know, it's in it's it, it's, uh, you know, I I just have to deal with uh, deal with that. <laughs> I'm not I don't want to, um you know, potentially shoot uh impulsively and kill someone where it was totally unnecessary and then i have to deal with who knows what you know it's it's not easy and i know cj it has not been easy for you to tell the story and i i thank you for uh for sharing it was there anything else you wanted to talk about here no uh just thanks for uh entertaining my call no thank you for uh, making enjoy it listen to you guys every night i uh, really appreciate you making that it, it could not have been easy to, to yeah thank to you. recall that uh, thank you All for right, the call night, guys. appreciate it yeah that's awful mm friend murdered uh, by some crazy meth head. Yep. 
and uh, and once again, I mean, we're back to the war on drugs as yeah. the issue here. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Dale working in your community to make things better. The only thing that's going to make this problem better is an end to the war on drugs. That's the only way you're ever going to stop crazy fucking meth heads or crackheads from climbing through windows and busting down doors and doing this bullshit. I, that's I the agree. only way I mean, that's, that's ever going to stop. That's a really no. That's a really good goal to end the war on drugs. But I, but I do think you know there are things that can be done to alleviate in the meantime. Like again, like uh, um, we were talking about medical marijuana on a previous show. And there's a, there was that really crappy bill to try and um, get medical marijuana in incredibly limited scenarios, and we uh, did, that but, doesn't alleviate crackheads and meth heads. No, no, but I'm saying that, but what, but no, the, the analogy I'm trying to make is well, what what we talked about non working outside the government to try and get ma- medical marijuana to people who need it. Screw the bill, do it, get the mar- medical marijuana to people. So I'm saying, you know, maybe there's, you know, in the meantime, while we're trying to end the war on drugs, and we c- should continue that effort. What about what can we do to help people who are on drugs and things like that who actually have a problem, not people who are using recreationally and 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 are fine, but someone like that? Maybe there's something that you can do and get involved with your community to help people like that. You know, there's things that like, like that that can be done in the meantime. You know, and I think you know why why we, I think we're kind of you know in a way kind of paralyzed with and upset. You know, if we get obsessive and just if all we're doing is thinking anti-government, anti-government all the time and not thinking pro something else. I don't feel like we're going to make much progress. I think it's, you know, while while we're being anti-government, we need, we should be, you know, where can we be pro? Where can we be proactively doing things to 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 solve problems, you know? Like I'm, you know, I I'm working at this shelter right now and I'm getting to know people that have real problems. A lot of them are caused by government. But in the meantime, we're helping them out, you know. No, I think you're I think you're uh, and, I think you're a so, trailblazer in that area up here and I think you're absolutely right about that. I just don't know what I don't think there's much you can do that is going to uh, reach somebody who's living in a crack den, uh, you know, 24 hours a day, and they go out only mm-hmm. to get themselves uh, to score more yeah, crack. Yeah, maybe, but I, then again, I don't know how many people are willing to, like, maybe go out and try to reach these people because they seem like, you know, that there's that so much taboo associated with that. You know, how many people are willing to go out and, like, try to, you know, like, actually talk to these people and treat them like people instead of just treating them like you know dregs of society that need to be locked up you know i mean i i, I that i that's the, what i'm saying is that we we think in terms of I, the, the 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 uh the arming yourself to defend yourself against violence is is is, is sort of a short in a way it seems like sort of a short-sighted solution like what are we doing to re, to change our whole culture of violence in our community to make to make ourselves safer in that way i mean what can we do proactively to go out and like change the the environment that fosters so much violence and that would make us safer that something like that done far enough ahead of time might have prevented that from happening as well and and so and it's it's like the thing you know the whole notion of well what if the what if the jews during the the uh the holocaust were armed and defended themselves against against what happened to them when they were being loaded onto trains and things like that well Okay, yeah, but what what you know that's failing to consider all the things that they could have done to prevent it in the first place. You know, what if they had engaged in civil disobedience? Oh, absolutely. What if they had engaged in all kinds of other? You get no disagreements from me. I think you're absolutely right that uh, that liberty activists do need to get uh, involved in community events and things like that. I mean, we went and did the. Uh, the high school, uh, what was it? The project graduation thing. That was yep, something that yep. uh, that I did with you last year, and that was uh, that was great. Um, and I, I and you're doing, you are the the one of the trail trailblazers in that in that area here in uh, in Keene. And I hope that 
you're inspiring others elsewhere to do similar things. It's just that knowing, uh, having experience in the underground, the uh, the counterculture and the the world of uh, of illicit substances, and not honestly, not a whole lot of experience with people that would use meth or or crack, but enough to to get some idea for what their lifestyle is like. There aren't really a lot of ways to reach these people. No, I'm sure it's a very difficult task. They're not. They're no not doubt. coming and checking yeah. themselves into uh, to clinics. They're not reaching out. But there's, Many of there's them a, looking there for was help. a church in Denmark, I think, that was providing a place and uh, for people to come and and shoot up and things like that. That's true. I mean, that the, is the, true. The, the, they would try to help them if they could, but if not, they said, "Come here and do it. Don't do it out in the alleyway at night. You know, don't. You know, and and that was actually helping that community. It really, it really was addressing what they realized was a very difficult situation. A very different, you know, someone that's not easy to reach to change, you know. They would you, have had to have some sort you know. of governmental uh, acquiescence on that, though. I mean, because if you tried no, to set no, up well, something like that here, the, you'd be raided. Well, that's well, that's just this it. Is it was not because Denmark. It was because that's it was, what I'm saying. Oh, I don't know. But if this was, is Denmark has, um, a, you know, they, they they don't go after uh, heroin users. Well, like it was it was a church. That's what I'm telling and they you. Were you couldn't do law. that here. They were breaking the law. It was a church and everything, but again, but they did it anyway. And and uh, I can't remember. If, I, sh- I shouldn't say Denmark. It was either. It might have been uh, Amsterdam. I know. Yeah, I know the story. But, um, but yeah, and uh, but, but you're the talking about they, a political environment where it's a little bit more tolerated. Sure. What, what you're sure. What you're but I'm saying that things can be. There are things that can be done short of 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 violently defending ourselves from those people. I can There's tell you that if the war on drugs, do, you know, if the war and, on drugs ended tomorrow, I would feel much more comfortable with getting rid of all of my all of my guns. Oh sure, yeah. I I think that um too like you know things like when we do go out and do things like Project Graduation. Um, people, we get to know people. People see us as real people and they meet us personally. And then when we're talking about liberty subjects and everything, we're not some 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 loon they've never heard of. You know, they know us now, and 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 everything we, you know, the things we have to say have, have a lot more weight than. You know, I think it's been a good discussion here tonight, guys. So. I think we should wrap it up though. It's getting late, eleven yep. uh, past well past eleven o'clock at this point, and our phone lines are uh, the soapbox is back to the soapbox mode, so you can't even call in now if you want <laughs> if you wanted to. Uh, Dale, Mark, thanks for coming in, and uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this extended edition of the program up. Oh, we should forgot forgot to mention it is brought to you by SACL CAI, uh, also uh, the Free Talk Live AMP program. So if you want to help us. Get this program on more radio stations uh, around the country. Got a uh, got a verbal agreement from another Montana station today. Oh, really? I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say where because I don't want to. I don't want to jinx anything. But uh, we may be breaking back into uh, the Montanan world, which I, you know, it's a great place for Free Talk Live. Uh, so that's good news, and uh, look forward to more shows here. We've got, of course, Friday edition and Saturday edition remaining this week. We'll uh, talk to you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Those of you tuned in to the Liberty Radio Network will be returned to the LRN feed, kicking off with the Onion Radio News, followed by Gardner Goldsmith's Liberty Conspiracy. And those of you listening at freetalklive.com stream, you'll join the most recent episode, tonight's show, in progress. Good night, everybody. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. 
on your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.